YouTube. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Buy the dip or not to buy the dip? This is the question. That is the question, Spencer. Is the question of today's Benzinga Live. What up, everyone? How are we doing? AB, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? I'm good. It was a great weekend. Yesterday was at the Detroit Lions game, the first win. You were there? Yeah, I was there. It was awesome. I thought there was no chance that uh, the Lions were going to come down and score that final touchdown. But, hey, full of surprises. Jared Goff surprised me. We, we got that win. It was much needed. Uh, but an eventful weekend overall, Spencer, obviously with crypto. And we're going to get to that. We are going to talk about everything. Um, there is to talk about. Let us know in the chat what you've been watching this weekend, what you've been watching today. It's Monday. We're excited to be back live with y'all. So, Spencer, let's go ahead and get the show going. This is Ben Zinga Live. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show. Talk to my POs. Jake Ujasic from Trend Spider. We have a breaking news. All right, all right, all right, all right. What's up, everyone? How are we doing? So here's the rundown for the day as far as guests are concerned. We're going to do Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors at 12, a little afternoon, like 1210, 12, 1215 ish. Um, and then we've got Chris Capri from Second Skies Trading at 1.30. And that's it. That's the guest today. No Jake Wajastic. He's a, He had to take the day. Um, so we've got two and a half hours. And... Um, a lot of time to discuss things. So it's going to be a fun show. Speaking of discussing things, I yeah. see a discussion going on in the chat. Shelly oh asked, who's that cutout? Matty Ice says that's Happy Gilmore. I don't know. That might be Billy Madison. It could be Billy Madison. It could be Happy Gilmore. It could also be Mr. Deeds. I can neither Ooh. confirm nor deny. Mr. Deeds might be low-key my favorite Adam Sandler movie from that era. Because it's so underrated. Like people always talk about Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. But I'm inclined to agree agree with you. I, I think Mr. Deeds might be my favorite movie from that era. I, I, I love Adam Sandler. I watched it recently, and there are so many like quotable moments in it. But the for some reason, I guess Happy Gilmore and uh, Billy Madison were always more popular. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know why that is, but I'm with, I'm with you. I'm with you. That that was a hot take that I can get behind. Uh, all right, so AB, uh, as you said. Um, crypto markets were volatile over the weekend. Uh, let me see what I can do here and bring up a, a heat map of uh, crypto land today because um, it's not looking great. Where's my heat map? There it is. It's not looking great if you are into crypto. Um, I guess this, the, silver, the silver lining here is that the dip has been bought to some extent, um, but... We are still – where's my heat map? Come on, heat map. There we go. We are still well off where, where we were from this time – come on – this time last week. So even though you see some green here, if you were watching this morning, you saw it was all red. We've at least turned. Um, so, so, you know, glass half full, by the dip, it happened. Glass half empty, um, still in 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 short-term downtrends here for for all the major coins yep and and speaking of buying the dip spencer i did (gasps) go out and buy the dip this weekend i was in zero crypto positions i opened up a new position wait 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 wait, wait. 
Yes, breaking news. Producer AB is back in crypto, Spencer. Yes! Guess which one I bought. Oh, man. There's a lot There's a lot oh, of them out there. Guess. There's a lot of options to... to... Okay, let's put it in chat. What, which crypto did Aaron Bree buy over the... Wait, what was it? Was it over the weekend? Was it today? It was... I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. 12 hours ago. 12 hours ago, 11.30 p.m. 11.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm seeing some ETHs. I'm seeing Bitcoin, Tether. My official guess, Matty Ice says he definitely bought Cardano. I have bought Cardano, but that is not the one that I bought last night. My official guess is going to be Ethereum. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct, Spencer. You know me so well. Maybe it is because we do this show every day, but... I figured it was time for me to dip my toes back in the pool that is crypto, yes. um, and it was Ethereum. And, and that's not to say that I won't be going out shopping for other coins on this dip, but that was my first, uh, that was my, that was my first purchase in the last yes. few months in crypto. Yes. I'm currently uh, down 1.46%. My cost basis was at 4200 roughly, um, but... If you ask me if I'm worried, the answer is no. So, wait, what kind of a? Uh, because unlike me, you've sold crypto. Yeah. So, like, what what kind of a position is this for you? Is this a trade? This is one that I'm going to be looking to just add to as time goes on. I feel very uh, good and confident about Ethereum's future, um, both in its how it will be integrated into into technology, into the future, into future projects, but also in the price action. Um, so again, I'll, I'm just going to be adding to this. When I've sold crypto in the in the past, it hasn't really been because oh that it was just a trade for me. It was because oh I had this money sitting in, in a crypto account, whether it be on Coinbase, Robinhood, Kraken, and saying okay, I, I need to free up some cash mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and sold some crypto. So again, the Ethereum one is one that I'll just be looking to add to over time. I see no reason at this point, Spencer, why people shouldn't have at least some allocation of their portfolio you know even if it's one percent heck yeah to crypto it just it to me it's that's just a not um that's an oversight if you're managing your own portfolio and you don't do not have any um exposure or allocation to crypto maybe you should change that i'm totally with you man dennis sold his bitcoin on friday and i was I was so, I mean, it was a good trade for him because, you know, crypto went down after that. But I was so sad to hear that because even if it's going to be like 1%, right, of, of, of your investable assets, like just, just have a little bit. Have a little teensy bit. Little teensy bit. You know, we had the whole debate on Friday. Um, I was arguing, I was arguing that just because Bitcoin and crypto was down now, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they would go down in a prolonged period of time. I, you know, obviously I'm not changing my mind, and we, that remains to be seen. Uh, but you know, a weak period, a weak market last week led to a pretty bad weekend for crypto. So in the short term, the correlation remains the same. Risk on assets go down, growth assets go down, growth stocks go down, Bitcoin goes down with it. ETH goes down with it. Um, so I have not changed my mind for those of you still wondering. I am still, even if I'm still short-term questionable on crypto, long-term bullish. Um, I'm not changing my mind there. But uh, if you can trade this stuff, I mean, have at it. 
it ain't easy. It is not easy to trade this stuff. Um, Shout out Best to Detroit in the chat, throwing out his favorite crypto picks. He's got Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, nice. and Polygon. I've got three of those four. Uh, Matic. I'm guessing you don't have Matic, Polygon, the last one. I've got three of the four. I've got everything but Polygon. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, let us know in the chat if you went out and bought any crypto dips this weekend. Are, uh, yeah, we, we do have a special deal for you if you are looking to still buy the dip. Yes, we Spencer, do. can we go ahead and get that graphic pulled up? Yeah. All you have to do is go to Voyager, use the code Zing, and you will get $50 in Bitcoin after you deposit $100 and make your for- first trade. So if you want $50 in free Bitcoin, all you got to do is use this code Zing, go to Voyager, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Who, who wouldn't want $50 worth of free Bitcoin? Um, I would, and... I have done that promotion. Fun fact. Um, okay. I'm trying to look. I, I can never find my cost basis, dude. Whenever I go to Coinbase, whenever I, I want to know what I paid for stuff, I, I can never find it. Whatever. All right. Well, let's take this moment Move while Spencer's on. looking from that to transition from the crypto markets yeah. into the stock market. I oh. saw Michael H. in the chat earlier asking us to talk about Moderna, about BioNTech. Um, so Spencer, let's go ahead and get our Benzinga Pro pulled up. All right, I've got my thing right here. You've got your thing right there. We both got our things. Where's my Pro? Here's my Pro. Okay, so what do you want? Let's take a look at Moderna. So, so this was a trade that we talked about last week. Uh, Moderna, of course. If we get a daily chart pulled up, I'm working on it. I'm I know. Working, I'm working on it. I'm slow over here. There we go. Right. So when we saw this big spike last week, so Moderna actually spiked the Friday after Thanksgiving, the day after markets were closed, and okay. it spiked on the you know news about Omicron, about this new variant. The, mm-hmm. the thesis was investors were going out buying Moderna um, because as the fears rise for Omicron, maybe people will, will be more interested in getting vaccinated. Maybe the government or some other uh, regulatory agencies will be requiring booster shots or more vaccines. So Moderna stock rose all the way to what's that high about 360? The high of that day was 376.65. This is on Black Friday, November 29th. And now we're all the way back down at the $260 level. So what's happened since then is essentially some of the Omicron fears have been easing. Maybe people are saying, hey, this isn't as big of a deal as you know we first thought or first feared. Yep. And so Moderna's been out of favor now for a couple days. I'm not buying it here. No, so two things here, uh, I think, to, to focus on. One is, with regards to the, to the new variant, um, obviously, when it, when it comes out, you know, there's all sorts of question marks. Um, well, from what I've seen, and again, we're not doctors, obviously, but from what I've seen, the the uh, early readings seem to be that Omicron is more contagious and less deadly than the Delta, which itself was more contagious and less deadly than the the OG uh, COVID nineteen variant. So, if that's how it's gonna be, then. Every one of these things is going to keep getting more and more contagious, but less and less deadly. And that's that's a good thing, right? The deaths is really what matters here. It's not really, you know, if you get COVID and, you're, and you get a little bit sick and you get better, then that's 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 what we want, right? So, so we're not seeing the uptick in deaths, um, which is good. 
And so if that's how it's going to be, then this gigantic uh, move we, we saw on Friday, Black Friday, I guess a little over a week ago now, um, was probably a little bit overdone. Uh, at the same time, you've also got this environment, this overall market environment, right? And let's compare Moderna right now to like ARKK, okay? Sort of my, my proxy for what I would call growth stocks, right? High growth, not just growth, high growth stocks. And let's zoom in here. Let's zoom way in over the past couple weeks, all right? We've, we've, we're in an environment now where growth is out of favor, squarely out of favor. Moderna is a growth stock. Despite its low PE. Right. We talked about that on a Friday. The PE is surprisingly, surprisingly low. low. But, but you know what I was thinking about that? I was thinking about that over the weekend. Um, how much of those earnings are just from like the government just being like, here's a blank check for all your vaccines? You know what I mean? That's a good point. But anyway... Um, so Moderna is a high-growth stock. We are in an environment where high-growth stocks are out of favor. You can look at ARKK as your proxy. You can look at the QQQ as your proxy, right? Now, does this mean they will stay out of favor? Of course not. But that's the way it's been for the past couple of weeks. And it's not just Moderna. not just ARKK. It's every single sexy Stock. Think of a if if you can if you think of a stock, and the first thing that comes to mind is oh that name is sexy, it's probably gotten crushed. That's just the way things are right now. The third thing I will add about Moderna, again this is on a, a daily chart, is look where we are right now. We're right at the 200-day moving average. Now I'm not like the biggest te- technical guy, and and you know I, I like to keep things simple. Moving averages are kind of the only indicator that I use on a regular basis, the only technical indicator that I use, and mostly just like as an eyeball test, right? I'm mostly using moving averages. I, I've got here the 50-day, which is in blue, and the 200-day, which is in teal. And the bottom one is a 200-day. And I basically use them to help me get a, a quick overall view of what the stock has done. I like to know when the moving averages cross over, when they diverge, right, it is generally considered a bullish signal when the shorter duration moving average crosses above the longer duration moving average and vice versa. And I like to know when they come together in this and I like to know when the stock is near one of them, right? Because they can sometimes act as support or resistance. In this case, Moderna is right at its 200 day moving average. That is interesting. That could provide some kind of a technical support or it cannot. But that's the third observation I'll make with regards to Moderna today. So uh, environment, not in Moderna's favor, down 15% today. Ouch. Um, Again, uh, this is a company that basically changed the game for the world of vaccines. Their whole idea behind Moderna is that it's not just about the COVID vaccine, right? The idea was they can use their their technology and apply it to any number of of vaccines in the future. Um, That being said, you know, high flyer stock. Price matters, and this chart is gappy, and uh, it's gappy all over the place. I don't know. I, I don't quite know how you play this. We're talking about a stock that was, you know, almost five hundred dollars in August, and is now two sixty. 
Yeah, and we talked about that last week when we discussed Moderna Spencer. Is just the fact that look, the long term story for Moderna has not been told or unfolded yet, right? Like you said, that it's not just a COVID vaccine play. That's what's caused its price to skyrocket up to nearly five hundred dollars, and even the recent spike up to three sixty. It's all COVID vaccine related, but the long term story is that hey, this is the company leading this mRNA. Um, technology for vaccines that will be used in other areas outside of COVID-19. So that's why I'm bullish long-term. That doesn't mean I'm going out and buying it right here at 260, but yeah, I, 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 I it's hard. It's hard to buy any one of these stocks right now. It really is. If you're going to buy a growth stock, whether it's Moderna, whether it's frankly, whether it's Tesla, whether it's anything, you got to be prepared for some near-term weakness, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and just if even if I'm looking to make a or to enter a position on a long term investment that I like, I still don't want to do it when I think the stock is in a downtrend or if I'll you know if I can get in at a better price. So right now, looking at the Moderna chart, um, I, I see Emperor Baird in the chat saying I'd buy Moderna long term under a hundred dollars. I don't know if it'll get all the way down 100 there, hundred bucks below a hundred dollars. But maybe if I see it around two hundred or so, or, or I'll, I'll see. Once I see maybe the downtrend reverse and it start coming back up, uh, that's when I'll be looking at it. In, wait, who said that again? Uh, Emperor Bear. Okay, so here's the thing, Emperor Bear, about about that, saying I buy it at 100. 100 looks great right now, right? Because it looks, oh, I'm getting a huge discount. But we only get to 100 if this stock crashes. And at that point, there is some serious blood in, in the Moderna streets. And you got to ask yourself, are you really going to have – the intestinal fortitude to buy when the stock is down, um, what, 80% from the highs? That that takes guts. That takes serious guts. It's easy to say that, yeah, I'd buy it at 100. Would you, though? Would you? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking because it it ain't easy to buy stocks that are, that are 80% off their highs, right? That ain't easy. Spencer, speaking of downtrends, yeah, can you pull up another chart for me? Oh gosh, what ticker P L T R. As soon as you said P, I was like, "It's going to Palantir." How are we doing today? Not great. And here's oh, what I'm interested man. in, though. Looking at the chart, yeah, is where is our next uh, support level? I mean, what's the what's the all time low? Oh gosh, all right. So let's go through the whole chart. Let's go through the whole history. That's the whole history of Palantir as a public company, October of last year. So what was that low? Uh, the low of the year, May 11th, $17. 17 flat? Yeah, uh, 1706, 1706. But gosh, this is brutal. Again, it's like even if you believe Palantir is like this great company, which it very well might be, very well be very well may be a great investment, it like price matters, trend matters. Trend matters. The fact that this stock for all the contracts that this company gets, right? For all the good news supposedly, the stock can't catch a, a break. Um it's one of those things where it's like uh you could have been that person in January that said, Oh yeah. It's at 35. I'd buy, I'd buy it at 18. Well, now we're at 18. Doesn't look too great. 
No, and, and that's why I, I brought this up, Spencer. Let's add this to our watch list for the week. Okay. Um, because I w I'm curious about how the stock will react once it hits that previous support level, right? Um, we know it can essentially do two things from there, right? It can blow through that support level on the downtrend, and then the stock has further to fall, which we could then look at, at making a short trade on it or, or buying some puts. Um, or we could bounce off that support and maybe see this downtrend reverse. Either way, I, I think it'll be worth watching the price action of Palantir this week. We know this is a stock that likes to move. So if you're a trader, I, I see RM in the, in the comments making a great point. Depends on if you're trading versus That's true. investing. That's true. Anything we talk about, it's important to keep in time yes. frame. When I'm talking about I like Moderna bullish long term, I'm saying if I, I even even though I think that the stock will continue to go down in the short term, that I'm confident that in 10 years from now, the stock price for Moderna will be higher than it is today, right? Yeah. Palantir, I'm talking about as a trade because Palantir moves well for, for people that like to trade, okay. right? It's volatile. Okay. okay. Goes up and down. It does. Um, and, and so... If I see Palantir bounce off that previous support level, I'll look at making, you know, a little swing trade, maybe even a day trade. Uh, but this is not something I'm really interested in for a, a long-term investment. I feel like there's just so much unknown about this company. Um, I don't know too much about it, so I'm not comfortable saying, hey, I'm going to buy this stock for, you know, 10 years down the line. Okay, that's a great, great point of clarification. He's looking at this for a trade. For a bounce off the 17 level. Well, I didn't even say that. It oh, could, I, okay, it could be sorry. a bounce. It could be that it falls through that support level. Then I'm looking at it for okay. a trade on the short okay. side. Okay. Okay. We have a series. We for whatever it's worth, we have a series of lows at like 1450 that area. But that was from a year over a year ago. Um, I don't know if you care about support from over a year ago. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know how much I care. Um, here's what stocks run my radar here. I'm going to open up a screener in Benzinger Pro. All I did was I went to my, my homepage here. Right? I opened up a screener there, right there. Hit that button. That got me here. And I threw on a few different filters. Okay? I went over to the valuation tab. The second tab from the left. Uh, I threw on a market cap filter. I wanted to filter out super uh, small companies. I threw on uh, two PE filters. I threw out a trailing PE and a forward PE filter. And I'm looking for stocks that are, have a market cap of above $300 million, which means they're basically just small cap stocks or above, no micro caps, no nano caps. And I'm looking at stocks that have a price to earnings and a forward price to earnings ratio of above 25. Why 25? That's because that's, that's ballpark where the S&P 500 is right now, right? Give or take. It could be a little bit above or below that. But I want to look at Stocks with a PE and forward PE that are quote unquote cheaper, more affordable than the S&P 500. And I'm going to call those value stocks for now um, relative to the, to, to the rest of the market. So well, what do I have here? Well, I got a lot of green on the screen, right? I've got names like Ollie's Bargain, O-L-L-I. I've got names like Kohl's, and I did sort by... Uh, percent gain today, so that's why they're all green like that. But you can go go the other way and see who's down. In fact, let's do that. If you want to look at your biggest losers, oh look, BioNTech and Moderna, right, fitting in this category, biggest losers of the day. You do have some growth names in here, like like uh, like Runway Growth Finance, right? Um, you know what? Let's add a third filter. Let's add because I'm seeing some some growth on here. I, I don't want it. Let's add a price to sales filter. 
and let's do price to sales of let's give ourselves let's do under two under two again relative cheap relative cheap uh stocks is what i'm looking for price to sales uh above two i don't know what the price sales of the s p 500 is now it's probably somewhere around two if i had to guess so maybe a little bit less than that but whatever so here we have quote-unquote value names this whole filter uh this whole screen is value names now i've got uh stocks with a low pe stocks with a lower price of sales and i've filtered out the 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 super small companies just to get rid of that crap not crap but you know the 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 companies that that aren't very liquid and have no volume and etc etc so what we've got here is a screen of a couple hundred stocks and this is basically it's not it's it's actually it's less than 100 this is going to be my idea this is going to be my home base for this week right this screen and you can see here today we have some gainers we have some losers but this is going to be what i'm going to look at for ideas throughout the week and there are some names here that i know and a lot of names here that i don't know um but i'm sort of keeping an eye on the lower valuation end of the market here so names like Oh, Sony, that's interesting. You've got names like Best Buy. You've got names like Corsair. Really? Corsair? Okay. I didn't, wouldn't have expected that to be on here. You've got names like Sanderson Farms, SAFM, Food Stocks, right? Dole, Food Stocks, Verizon, Quest Diagnostics. The HP, which I think has earnings this week, like tomorrow. Um, not names that I'm looking to buy long term, but names that if we get a repeat of last week or the week before, names that probably could outperform for the next couple weeks. So this is where my head is at. Again, I did a, a screener of Benzinga Pro, and I use it to find some ideas. And I've got a list here of 50 or so ideas um, to sort of keep an eye on throughout the week. And that's where my head is at. Some of these are, are you know, like Jack in the Box, which, you know, announced a deal this morning to buy Del Taco. Um, so there's that. But, you know, I'm seeing some, some non-sexy names, which is what the market wants right now. We want non-sexy. And how do I know that? Let's go back to my chart and let's look at the DIA, the Dow Jones Industrial Average ETF. Come on, chart. No, I forgot the chart. We'll go to a watch list. Here's my watch list. Let's go to the market and look at today's change. What is up the most? You got some mega cap tech. You got utilities, XLU, financials, XLF, consumer staples, XLP, industrials, XLI, Real estate, XLRE, bless you. Thank you. And the Dow Jones, DIA. This is your non-sexy side of the market. And that is what that is what is leading us here today. Frankly, for the past couple of weeks. That's where the money is going. All right, so how about this, Spencer? Yeah. I've got a stock. Oh, gosh. That I think is both can be considered, you know, <laughs> value. And growth. Not sexy. And also growth. We've talked about it a lot. Oh, boy. 
If you guys watch this show, if you guys watch me, you know I love talking about is it, this stock. Is it Robin Hood? Nope. Oh, thank gosh. I was going to say, because that's, that's growth, my friend. There's no, there's no argument for value there. This stock okay. has a value argument. It's got a low P.E., uh, and it's making good a good move today. All right. Uh, can you give me a hint besides all the hints you just gave me? <laughs> uh, so, someone will guess it in the chat. Again, this is one that I talk about, you know, a lot. A lot? Com Comino says SoFi? Nope. No. That's a good question. I've... Or that's a good uh, guess. But I, I would I would not argue that SoFi has a, a gr uh, value. Uh, component to it there. <sighs> what would be oh, one? Uh, Happy he, Muhammad. I haven't checked in on Fortnite. He talks in a while. about it a lot. He said he talks about it a lot. Yeah, I traded a lot. Trades a lot. Nope, not Visa, not Mara. Mara, come on, Tiny Pie. Mara, come on. Not Mara. Come I don't on. know. I don't know, man. Someone's got to get it out there. Is it like an oh oh Ro ooh, good guess, Shelly. Good guess. I also would say I, I would say Roblox is hundred oh. percent. Wait, it, it can't it, it can't be Baba, can it? It's Baba. Oh come on! Look, and they all came <laughs> flying. They all came flying in the chat. Jim, James, oh. coming now. Baba, Patrick, everyone's got it now. Boom! All right. So here's the the value non sexy argument for Baba is yeah. it's trading well below. Uh, you know, S&P averages when it comes to P.E., when it comes to price to sales, it, it this company makes a lot of money. They do. They do. Right. Balance sheet looks good. The growth argument is to be made is that it is a technology company. It's based in an emerging market. Um, so. I don't know. Look, Baba's up seven and a half percent today. I, I I think we'll need to watch it. So Spencer, let's add this to the watch list for the week with Palantir. Um, and, right, and we'll right. so let's do the way because I didn't do it actually. So I'm gonna go to Pro Watch List, make a new watch list. Um, Benzinga Live Watch List twelve six. Yep, this is our week watch list. Um, Palantir. One, Baba, two. All right, that's two. There we go. On the watch list. So what I want to watch this week, Spencer, to see if we get a sustained movement. If we see green days, you know, two, three days in a row, are we seeing a trend reverse? Or are we simply seeing, you know, a, a strong day, you know, kind of like a, a, a dead cat bounce, essentially, right? Because certainly this downtrend could continue. I'm not saying, oh, my God, it's up 7.5%. Um, this is the this is the reversal. It's coming, but as you can see on the bottom of the screen, there we do have a little bit of spike in Sorry. the in the volume. Um, so I, I just want to be watching this this week. I, I wanted to show this tweet. I saw this last week. I think it was Friday. I saw this tweet. It was from Charlie Bellello, who's a great follow on Twitter. Yep, I'll bring up his tweet, and this will fly in the face of uh, a lot. Of fundamental investors, okay? Because if you're a fundamental investor, um, ten years ago, or in this case, he went from 2014, and he said, "Okay, I'm gonna look at the two biggest e-commerce companies in the world, Amazon and Alibaba. Who's going to grow more?" Well, the common logic was Alibaba in terms of growth rate, right? Because they're a, a newer company, they're in an emerging market. You know, it's a demographics play above all else, right? And that's exactly what happened. Alibaba grew 
way more in the last seven years than Amazon. Look at the sales growth rate since 2014. Amazon sales growth up 400%, Alibaba up 1100%. But that doesn't translate to stock performance. Look at the total returns of the stocks since 2014. Amazon up 900, and this doesn't include today, but as of Friday, Amazon up 948%, Alibaba up 19%. So yes, if you called for Alibaba to grow more than Amazon in the last seven years, you're 100% correct, but that did not translate to stock performance. Yeah, and and when when Baba took that dip, I mean, last year maybe last October was when Baba was at its highs at around three ten. Um, but when Baba started dipping this year, and I'm talking, you know, April. You know, once we saw it get around two hundred dollars, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, this is getting so cheap." Uh, again, I've been talking about this stock for a while. The idea was. Um, it was obviously what was bringing down the stock was these fears of of the China-U.S. relationship. Is mm -hmm. China going to continue cracking down on these companies? Mm -hmm. um, they came out and essentially, you know, told education companies, "No, you can't run for profit anymore." <laughs> All these things. They did. Um, so, so there were a lot of fears that regulations would continue to hurt these big Chinese companies. And the idea was was, hey, if you buy it down here at at two hundred dollars at the time. Um, and China doesn't continue cracking down in this way, then, then you'll look vindicated over time. You'll make money. Well, what's happened since then is um, more and more things have happened in China that ca have caused investors fears. The stock has gotten all the way down to $120. Um, and, and no one knows really. Well, some people know. I don't know what China is going to do tomorrow or the next day. So there is more risk here than Amazon, Spencer, because we know um, or, or we can be pretty certain that the U.S. we're not going to come out and, and crack down on, on Amazon. And You're saying the White House, the DOJ, is not going to break up Amazon? I'm fairly confident of that. Yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, and so, you know, you don't have that same confidence with, with Bob, or at least investors don't. But uh, th this was a tweet that Luke Jacoby put out this weekend, essentially, where he said, if you buy Baba here, you will either look like a genius or an idiot. Or an idiot. Yep. One or the two. Yep. And it, it, it's one of the, you know, we're always talking about risk when we're talking about buying stocks, when we're talking about in the market. The risk here with BABA is you buy it here at 120, the stock could get delisted from ADR. You lose money. <laughs> that Ch is true. China that could continue to crack down. You lose money. But on the flip side, BABA continues to make a boatload of money. Maybe China kind of pulls back and they want to see their companies be strong again. On the upside, I think we could see this stock easily back at $200 between now and next December. That's a, a more than a 50% upside, but no. that downside is all, is tremendous. Right. If it were me and I was like, well, and I was like, all right, I obviously like Alibaba as a company, right? Which you, you do, it sounds like, right? So... If it were me, what I would do, and I've made the same mistake before trying to call bottoms. We've all tried to call bottoms. It's easier said than done. I would at least kind of want to wait a little bit. You know what I mean? See some kind of a, a rounding formation, a, a few weeks of uh, nothingness, right? Stop going down every single week maybe, 
we're down three weeks in a row in, in Alibaba, maybe just, you know, find some kind of a base or something. But to 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 buy it now just seems like you're asking for trouble. Well, that's that's why we added it to the watch list, Spencer. Yeah, you're right. We're going to watch it this week. You're right. We're going to see if we see a trend reversing or if today's just an outlier and we see it back down and the, and the downtrend continues for the rest of the week. Well, no. Um, and maybe w- with something like Baba, we want to watch it a little bit longer than we would with other stocks. Maybe we want to see it get past those previous uh, resistance support levels of 145 or so. Um I'm going to give you a sleeper catalyst, though. A, a long-term catalyst. Mm. Hmm. Well, it's you want to take a guess? It's not Singles Day, because that was a month ago. No, it's not a binary event. It's a um, more of a demographic catalyst, we'll say that. In China? Yep. Uh, the Olympics? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't don't know. So China has famously, in the past, has implemented a one-child policy to try to— That's out. Exactly. And not only is it out, but the reason that it is out is because China's government acknowledged and realized, essentially, that um, their policies were actually hurting the the population. (sighs) The population was declining. Um, And so they are basically now— reversing that and trying to encourage people to have more kids hey i'm saying long term if there's you know a 50 percent increase of in babies being born in the next 10 years in china that's more customers that's a higher bottom line all right now we're talking way now we're talking decades out man so so you could be right but people are gonna have to buy those baby toys somewhere all right all right that yeah yeah we're talking decades out I said um, long term. You did say long term. Uh, oh wait, Shelly. See, Shelly's got something much more short term. The Chinese New Year, but that, that's every year, Shelly. So that's not a catalyst. Um, okay, <laughs> that was very long term. You were not getting. Uh, it's twelve ten approximately. Uh, so let's bring. You want to bring on Matt now? Let's bring or, Matt on because we, we have more things to get to. We have a lot more. We didn't talk about Lucid. We got to do that. We didn't talk about DWAC. We got to do that. Um, we, we have a lot more to get to on the show today. But first, let's talk about some IPOs that are coming uh, this week with Matt Hammond, who joins the show every single Monday. He's from IPO Warriors. Matt, what's up, man? How are we doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm really looking We're forward doing to getting back. <laughs> yeah. What we had? We had no IPOs last week, right? Uh, it's not entirely true. We had a spinoff, which is a little bit different and um, caught me off guard. Uh, they usually don't do that well. Spinoffs are usually um, kind of stock is given to shareholders of the you know parent company that's spinning it off. And a lot of people, just like we saw with Vimeo, just sold it off. I mean, Vimeo's done absolutely terribly since it spun off. Um these events are sort of there's kind of a double action against them. First of all, they're priced in to the parent company uh, once they announce the spinoff. Uh, people then, you know, so that if it's an exciting company, people want those shares, they buy into that parent company. And then after the spinoff, everybody's like, oh, sweet, I just got a bunch of, you know, free shares. I'm going to sell now. 
and the stocks just you know just tank so um it is an interesting dynamic though this one was ocean pal and it, it i mean it wasn't anywhere in the it wasn't on the benzinga ipo list it wasn't on any of the calendars it sort of what put it on my radar at all while it was trading was it halted and i kind of keep my eye on the halts list and benzinga pro will give you those halts as well so uh, if you're watching that news feed and you see oh this company is halted i usually check and i see well, what's going on here what is the news what is the headline what does the chart look like where was it before and in this case there was no chart for the day before so i said what what this was an ipo what okay it was um and it halted down on basically wait, i'm sorry wait, wait what was the symbol again i'm gonna bring it up op op yeah okay <laughs> Oh, great. Oh, great. Fantastic. Wow. You see this, man? It's down 75% in three days. Well, it started at $5. So, or it started at $430. Um, okay. And it dropped down into a halt on 359 shares. So, oh my gosh. right away, it's kind of like, huh. Um, this is interesting to me because when I see that, I see this is really low float um, and it's halted down. If people pick up on this, this could run. Unfortunately, I had to take my daughter to school that day. My wife was sick, so I was on daddy duty and decided a couple things. I'm trying not to get myself stuck in any bags. I'm trying to move into cash, focus on IPOs. We talked about this um, I think last week on the show with, uh, with Aaron. And I completely ignored my rules and got myself uh, more stuck into stupid trades last week. I just need to like trade IPOs and not other things and admit that I'm not a day trader. I do really well with trading IPOs. And when there aren't IPOs, I start looking for ways to hurt myself. I seem to be very good at that. So um, I'm looking to dump positions, not add positions. And when this dumped down to three, what was it, 356, uh, you didn't really have an opportunity to buy at 356. It halted as soon as it hit that. Um, and then by the time it opened again, it opened back up at five. So you'd have been entering at five, which was actually above that debut price, which was a little bit of a, you know, okay, you don't really know which way it could go from there. Maybe 430 was cheap. Uh, maybe it was too expensive. Clearly, a lot of people <laughs> decided to start playing the halts that day because it ran up through. Uh, another see that. three halts, uh, two at 1207. Then it dropped all the way back down, you know, below four. Then it rallied all the way back up to eight something. This is craziness. And, and then in the after hours, it, you know, made a run at 12. Uh, since then, it's just fallen off. So uh, it reminded me a little bit of the action we saw in AERC the week before, which was an IPO that had 2 million shares debuted at. 40 after pricing at 10 ran up to over a hundred came back down for a couple days. If you had bought at 60 and sold it like these runs up to 90 you could have done pretty well. But if you tried that on like the fourth day, you would have gotten slaughtered. It came all the way back down to what 13 now. Um, so these low float IPOs, I don't like if I do catch them off the beginning, I like to get out really early. I mean, had I known about this one ahead of time and played it, uh, the maximum I would have, yeah, probably would have one, two, three, three halt rule for me. 
Uh, if I get three halts up, I am out. And uh, I don't try to touch this stuff in here. This is all I don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is this is craziness. So let's let's move on to some like actionable stuff. Okay. This week yeah, yeah, yeah. we have. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to some actionable stuff here away from this. All right. There there is one thing that I really like this for this week. So um, it's not. What, this what do you got? Uh, this is Chicago Atlantic Real Estate Finance Refi, which was so long I had to abbreviate it. Um, this is financing for the cannabis industry. What, what's the uh, technical on that? Refi. Refi. Okay. So, so this is kind of interesting, but these debuts tend not to do all that well. Um, it's not ultra low float. It's low float, but it's pretty much you know the financing the banks doesn't mean they're not good plays. Actually, they. You know, I always write off the regional banks, but looking back on them, if you are looking for any IPOs to hold for longer term, those regional banks are actually fairly stable. Um, but it's a it's something if you want to get into that, I suggest you learn about the regional banks, credit financing, all that stuff, um, and become you know kind of develop an expertise beyond my uh, skill set or trading strategy. This is you know. Okay, cannabis industry was super hot. It kind of comes and goes in waves, uh, but this is the sort of thing that will take some time to play out. From just looking through their filing, it does look like they've been able to generate income off of the loans that they have, and now they're doing an IPO to raise a bunch of money. Uh, maybe that improves their, you know, improves their standing. It's not something that kind of ticks my boxes for uh, momentum. Uh, a lot of interest, high retail demand, support by a bunch of institutions. This is just, this is sort of in finance. And I sort of push that to the side and say, next. I thought this is one. Okay. So let's get to the one that you, the ones you like the most. Let's okay. This is know. the one I like the most. This is HashiCorp. And this is. HashiCorp. A, yeah. And this is a leading cloud-based SaaS for enterprise uh, to simplify and automate their IT and move into the cloud. Um, maybe, you know, my only concern is the market environment right now for growth stocks is not great, but this is being kind of compared to, you know, Snowflake and companies like that level. Uh, they have a huge, you know, customer retention rate, 127% is really good. So when you have growth and customer retention rate, that's increasing, meaning that they're not only maintaining their current customers, but their current customers are adding services at almost 27%. That's a very strong metric to uh, to consider. Anything really above about 105 to 110 is like pretty good. 110 to 120 is really good. 127 is impressive. Uh, revenue is up 50% in the, the last nine months, ending October 31st, and 74% in January. You know, through January uh, 2021, gross profit up 56%. Uh, 76% year over year going back to January. Gross margins are 84%. So we're talking about high margin, high growth. They're reducing their operating losses and their net loss. Uh, cash flow loss is increasing. Uh, I wrote that wrong. That is the only other kind of red flag for me. But the float is just 15 million shares. So that's a good sign to me. I like that. This is, this is the kind of play that when I first really started doing these uh, IPO trades, this kind of trade would have been like no brainer, all in, uh, go for it. This will do well, Give it, give it, even give it day two. In this market, growth is not being 
measured at the same premium. I mean, in the last week anyway, it's gotten pretty hammered. Today, we're starting to see some people kind of come back in and say, wait, maybe that was an overreaction. Maybe, um, you know, maybe it's not time to just dump all of these things in the trash can. And the market is sort of like a little bit shaky right now. I kind of like that. I, I've seen that when the market is like on fire and bullish and everyone's just buy everything, IPOs debut at premiums that are ridiculously overpriced and don't give retail traders much room to make a profit after the stock goes live. Uh, coming out of a cold uh, you know, week of trading or two weeks of trading, being the first real you know, substantial IPO to come, uh, to come through the doors, this is, this is a good setup. I mean, I like this uh, for traditional setup. So I'm gonna play this one pretty big on the debut. I'm willing to hold for, uh, you know, for a day or two and let it run. Uh, so it's a Thursday okay. debut, pulled it through Friday. But this is kind of the classic growth software play that got me sort of leveled up, you know, added a zero to my account by playing these one after another. And um, it's, it's what I look for. I like it. And this one gets a high conviction mark for me. And then uh, new would be your last one, I presume? Uh, oh, I forgot to do the slide for new. So new is, uh, we'll put that, I did have that on the list here. So new, what I, so new, what I don't like about it and why I kind of like uh, skipped it is that it's almost 300 million shares and they could upsize it. And that's just too big of a float for, um, for an IPO to really do a lot of moves. We have yet to see something at this level that wasn't Rivian uh, and even Rivian, it ran for about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then just plummeted. And that was a little bit of a different situation, in my opinion. Uh, Rivian was coming off, you know, it was getting a lot of EV hype. And the market was pretty strong. And it was 160 million shares. And this is just, the, the float on this is just too big for me to see, you know, to anticipate a run on it. And they're giving a lot of my guess is that they're going to allocate a lot of shares to uh, retail traders on Robinhood, on E-Trade, on Weeble, and though most of those users are going to be encouraged not to dump, I think it's going to kind of uh, saturate the appetite for people. So um, it's not the you know it's not the IPO play that I would look at. It's also we're looking at you know. PayPal hasn't done particularly well in the last few weeks. Um, digital banking, SoFi got hit pretty hard. So this kind of digital finance isn't in a super trend right now. So I would I would pass on this one. Um, it's just not something that, it, it's just that the float is too big. When you have, and think about, we've talked about this before with IPO trading, what you're really taking advantage of is here's a hot company that for at least a temporary period of time the float is going to be diminished by the lockup period. So we saw true, this, true. You know, we've seen this with a lot of hot companies, the demand for the company, and this doesn't really affect, it's not like the valuation all of a sudden balloons. Well, you know, they still calculate the valuation based on the number of shares outstanding, but the, uh, the availability, the supply is at least until the lockup period, which is usually 180 days, is cut down. That's so, a great point. So when you're playing these IPOs, when I see HashiCorp at 15 million shares, I'm saying, okay, well, that's great. There's only 15 million shares. This is a really solid player in the cloud space. 
They have corporate, you know, very heavy corporate level clients. They are growing it in an, well above that 30% threshold. They're, they're growing as fast as Snowflake. And wait, wait. I, I, I have a quick question. I, I, I'm just realizing this now. So um, HashiCorp, for example, okay, they're offering 15.3 million shares. Right. That includes the lockup? No, right? that does not include the lockup. Okay. So 15.3 million shares of this stock will become freely tradable on uh, Thursday, right? And from there, we don't know the size of the no, lockup, correct? Um, we, do? we do? Yeah. Okay. That is publicly available information. I it do. is? Okay. Yeah, so we know the valuation. Um, let me just see if I even have that data right here. So then, so, and, and like we saw this last week with Robinhood, uh, where they had like their last lockup expiration was, I think, on the first or the second, I forget which day. And um, now any insider. Who, who owns any Robinhood shares can freely trade those shares uh, on the public markets. They're not locked up at all. And Robinhood's float basically increased dramatically last week with that yep. lockup expiration. So, okay, but I just realized that I, it, I, that hadn't occurred to me before, the float versus the lockup. So the float does not account for the lockup. The lockup will, will add shares to the float. Exactly. Okay. Great. But the, they, they still are doing the valuation based on the total shares. Out. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, okay. So in that sense, yeah, in that sense, the number of shares locked up should be in the S1, correct? Oh, yeah. It's uh, okay. It, it, it's actually, yeah, it should be a little. Okay. Do, I know that they're doing roughly a billion. They're aiming for roughly a billion dollar fundraise out of this IPO. Um, okay. So... That, the other ones that are, and that's why some of these others, you have to be careful because especially these sort of like, um, you know, low float ones here, which are all kind of Maxim and Roth, and some of these do really well, um, but they often have abnormal lockup, exp, you know, expirations on them. So, uh, I mean, we look at, uh, let me see if AERC is still at, AERC started at a 2 million uh, share float and now is 3.38 million shares. We've seen others that okay. started out as really low floats and then within a week, um, one that was kind of famous on that was HLTH, uh, which due to the low float on its debut, you know, I made a ton of money on that one and then uh, tried to double dip it on like um, when it dipped down below the IPO price and forgot to check the float and saw that Oh crap! It's actually they've increased the float to 125 million shares. You know, well below the 188, you know, 180 day typical lockup period. So uh, lockup periods, and again, this is why I really like playing IPOs for short term trades. Uh, it's common knowledge that you don't, you know, buying a stock on the IPO is rarely the best time to buy for a long term hold. You're better off waiting for six months to a year. Yes letting it find yes. its range, waiting for the lockup to expire, wait for it to get a few earnings reports under its belt. Um, all of these are you know, important reasons why kind of seasoned investors aren't buying on day one. So when people say, Matt, you're crazy. Why would you buy it on IPO? It's like, look, I'm not buying on the IPO to hold it forever. It's also rarely the all-time um, low. Uh, you know, It's not the all-time high. It's not the all-time low. 
uh, it's usually a, a period in which there's a catalyst. The catalyst is the IPO. There's going to be day two overnight media coverage, especially for something like HashiCorp. Um, you have limited supply and you have momentum. I mean, a lot of most IPOs, you know, if you look at the first, say, month of trading, the highest volume is going to be on the day of the IPO. In some cases, you've got Rivian. It's going to run a little bit. Um, but IPO trading is not about long-term holds. This is about, uh, to me, it's the easiest trade in trading. Like I said, I'm not a great, uh, you know, I'm not a good day trader at all. I've just realized going back in my trades over the year. And I thought maybe I was starting to get it, but I was just trading in a, you know, in a hot market where you kind of buy everything, you know, uh, buy the dip made a lot of sense. All you did on buy the dip was, um, Buy the dip, wait for something to buy a little dip a little bit and everybody came in and bought it and it just kept going up you weren't buying the dip you were buying the upward trend of the whole market and That's exactly every right. time it's really a dip and um, you know most of us buy too early actually we talked about alibaba when it was back up at 220 and i had just sold my shares out about a week before and i said no don't don't buy anything china what's the worst going to happen we might go to war with china like we seriously might, you know, China, it, it seriously can happen. I mean, I'm in the Ukraine right now and we're like on the verge of going to war with Russia, but very few stocks in the U.S. have much exposure to, you know, to the Ukraine. Whereas, yeah, Bob, yeah Matt, I'm glad you brought that up. Can you, since you, since you are over in Ukraine, can you give us like a general sense for what, what is the feeling over there right now? I would say that people are feeling a bit nervous, except there also seem to be Kind of like, yeah, we've been at war with Russia. Not we. Uh, they've been at war with Russia for you know since 2014 when they annexed Crimea. So for Ukraine, it's sort of like um, I can't say it's just more normal, but it is sort of like okay, well, okay. Um, I got it. You know, the, it's it, not, it, okay. It, it sounds like it sounds like what you're saying is like is like Israel and Palestinians were like the conflict can escalate and de-escalate, but they're, they're so used to it by now that to them, it's just, it's just life. Maybe. Um, yeah. I'm, Interesting. I'm not educated enough except that it's on, on that topic, except to say that, that, that one seems a little bit more one-sided. <laughs> Whereas. Right. Uh, well, I, I meant, I meant in terms of like the fact that, you know, Russia and Ukraine have been, you know, like you said, at odds for a long time. So yeah. it like, while the rest of the world may be taking more notice, maybe on the ground it's it's just more of the same for them, right? But I yeah, I am I am getting a lot more I mean, before nobody ever people just sort of asked me about it. Now I'm getting concerned emails and messages from family and friends back home. Interesting. And uh, having to you know yeah, I, I am at the point where it's like, okay, time to put together, you know, the um you know, the plan. What happened? you know, what do we do if you know, and what does and thinking about like what does what does the shit hitting the fan actually look like? Is it uh, all of a sudden Kiev is in lockdown? Well, maybe, probably not. Um, is it more like uh, the annexation of Crimea? Yeah, probably. And that's a good ways away from us. That's out on the west coast, uh, not coast, whatever western border, uh, maybe the southern area. Um, a full out invasion probably is not a you know run push all the way to Kiev without some kind of warning. But again, I'm not an expert on this right, way man. out of my all field. Right. Of I, 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 all I can say is I, I hope he stays safe. 
Yeah. And um, watch, we can watch get, those Chinese stocks, though. I mean, be very, very like uh, I think it was AB said, um, there's no reason to take that risk right now. China's one child policy. They had to, you know, I lived in China for 10 years. Um, the one policy, child policy, is unlikely to create a boom, in my opinion, of children right now. There aren't, you know, we're talking, China's facing its own, um, you know, potential economic crisis with the real estate bubble there. Uh, parents are incredibly, um, you know, this kind of like, I don't know how to explain it, but they put all of their effort, they're, they're used to putting all of their energy into one child. And having two children is, you know, diffuses their ability to to have that child. I mean, it's just not something that I'm seeing a lot of like people that I know in China who have one child. I don't see them rushing out. To All right, two. it's not okay. Thank you, Matt. It's not <laughs> as if people are are going to all of a sudden have like four or five kids. Uh, uh, yeah, a, I mean, they're not going to have four, but even the, even a second child, which most couples could have on short notice, um, like AB said, you know, they got to buy. We just had a kid and we bought a ton of stuff. You buy toys, you buy educational stuff, you buy diapers, you buy pacifiers. And even before you have the child, you're buying cribs and strollers and all this other stuff. So it it could stimulate the economy. Um, But I would say that there, you know, when you say what is the worst, well, look at DD. We all said stay away from DD. That one's crazy. It's a potential dumpster fire. And they actually got the, you know, are going through the delisting. And if there is a kick, you know, if, if war does kick off, I mean, China's about to have their Chinese New Year's on December 1st. After that, they're going to go into the Winter Olympics. Nationalist sentiments are going to be running super high. And what are they going to do in those Olympics in terms of, you know, labeling the athletes from Taiwan? I think they're going to use that uh, as a catalyst to instigate, you know, Taiwanese athletes to represent China. And they're going to, like, uh, be pretty, I think, kind of, uh, to me, it feels like the potential to kick off what they wanted to do and now are kind of being forced to need to do because of the role semiconductors play and the fact that they've their efforts to develop their own advanced semiconductor manufacturing have repeatedly failed. Uh, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to do something. And what that something is, is probably not something that's going to sit well with the U.S. And if tensions continue to boil, uh, that's not going to be good for their corporations on our stock market. So anyway, Matt Hammond runs IPO Warriors. Yep. Uh, these other ones. I want to say that people are talking about Austin Gold. Um, it's low float. It's raw. I probably won't do anything with it. But if you're looking for a low float IPO to pick out of this group, um, this is the one that people seem to be targeting on uh, social media right now. It has been rescheduled a lot of times. It has been available for. Uh, order on Webull and everywhere else for you know click IPO so I don't love it but if you are looking to you know it's these are Friday plays if you're bored and looking for something to trade check these out anyway all right you guys Matt, gotta let you run yeah have a good one man talk you to you next too. week Bye-bye. all right Matt have have runs IPO warriors.com um something else you know I want to put out there is we're always trying to uh, share different resources. Obviously, we promote Benzinga Pro a lot because it's Benzinga's real-time news and research tool. But there's 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 so much out there, you know, from services like Matt's IPOWarriors.com. Uh, I want to I want to show you guys this one as well um, that I actually have not been on for a hot second, but I I use it whenever there are two main resources that I uh, two main resources in in addition to Matt that I sort of use for like my IPO 
research, right? So the first one is this, this site. It's called iposcoop.com. And it, it's nothing too crazy, right? It's just uh, a, a, a mostly free, not entirely free, but mostly free resource. If you want to get an idea of like all the IPOs for the year, right? Or the last 100 IPOs, what were their stats? What was the size of the offering? What was the IPO price? What is the return, right? I went to this, this page. I, I went to the, uh, the, the pricings page. That's why I found this table. So again, it's called iposcoop.com. There's plenty of resources here. Check, they have a calendar. They have an index. Check it out. The other big one that I use, um, and this one's a little bit more institu institutional, uh, there's a firm called Renaissance Capital. Um, and they, uh, they... Is this the quant renaissance? No, no. Great question and no. This is a different firm entirely. This is a firm, the firm that created and launched the IPO ETF. If you go and search for a ticker IPO, that's, that's these guys. They do a ton of IPO research. And if you go to that research tab or uh, the IPO center, they have all sorts of stats for the year. They have calendars, pricings. Um, and again, th they make it their business to analyze the IPO market. How hot is it? How cold is it? So while Matt's looking at like the individual pricings from a, a micro level, if you want more of a macro analysis, check out Renaissance Capital or IPO Scoop dot com um these are both tools that, that i use to, to just get a feel like for example this graph right here this gives you an idea of just how freaking hot the ipo market is this year and i use the term hot to describe how much money is being raised right because right? when typically when there are more pricings and when there's more money being raised that means the market is hot when uh when those numbers uh you know, decrease. It means the market is cold. Um, and you can just see this year a, ridicu a ridiculously uh, high uh, amount of money, a record amount of money being raised this year on the, from, from companies that are going public uh, via IPOs. Um, and actually, I think, I think this might also include SPACs. I think it does. Um, so again, IPO market hot in terms of money being raised does not necessarily translate to stock performance. That's the caveat. But those are two, uh, two resources that I use. Uh, Christian Gallagher, Happy Gilmore is behind me right there. Or anyway, Billy Madison. Or Billy Madison. We don't know. We don't, we, we're, we're still not sure. Um, I guess Billy Madison, personally. Okay. All right. It is 1237. We got a lot of news to talk about today. I want to start with Lucid. Okay, L-C-I-D. Where's my Benzinga Pro? Where's my Benzinga Pro? Here's my Benzinga Pro. Bring it up on the screen. All right, let's bring up Lucid here. This is not what you want. Aaron, was it, was it on this show that we were talking about how like Lucid had held up relatively well compared to the other EV stocks? It, it may not have been. I don't remember. I don't believe so. Okay, well, regardless, this is not what you want to see. Look at that blue bar up there. Why is it moving? Lucid shares trending lower after the company said it received a subpoena from the SEC requesting documents related to an investigation. Now, we don't know the seriousness of this investigation. Uh, we know it's related to the merger, the SPAC merger. But that's all we really know, right? If Lucid, uh, like if this investigation was a nothing burger, 
they can't say that. They can't say this is a nothing burger. Uh, and if it's serious, like super uber serious, they probably can't say that either. They just have to put the fact out there like this is a thing. It's happening. Um, this is the absolute last thing you wanted that you needed. And in what is again, what is lucid? It is a growth company that had held up. Okay. So it's down 7% today. If you look at an interday chart, it's actually bounced. It's actually up from the open. Well, that is a great sign. That's an amazing sign. It's at the 50 day moving average right now. Um, this, this is actually a pretty encouraging day, but still, I mean, the last thing you want to see is this kind of thing happen to a stock that had actually been doing okay. So where do we go from here? I don't know. It's, I guess, very encouraging to see the stock up from 930 this morning. Cause what do we open at? We opened at 40, 40 or three ref. So we're up, we're up almost four bucks right now. That's pretty good, but man, this is this is discouraging for, to one of the few stocks that actually held up well. Not what you want to see. This is also what, like the third or fourth um, SEC investigation into a SPAC. We also had DWAC that got announced today, right? DWAC that the DOJ, the SEC is looking into into their merger. That one's down from the. Well, this was announced, I think, after the open. So, um, yeah. Not, not, it's a scary time out there. It's a scary time out there. Wait, Gregory is saying, shoot, sorry, Greg. Are you referring to the, the DWAC or the, um, the, the, uh, Lucid? Just so I'm clear. Yeah, I mean, I, it's not good, man. It I know. It ain't good. That's Stay all. Stay away from Lucid right now. That's all I'm going to say. Um, there's there's an argument for lucid long term though, but we'll have to reassess there, that down the road once is. once we see how this is resolved. And and you know what stinks about this? And when I say this, I mean like the fact that when when a type of a stock, when a certain factor goes out of favor, and right now it's growth, when that goes out of favor, they throw away the good with the bad. Even if you have a great company, even if you have a great business, right? Amazon went down, what, like 90% after the dot-com bubble? Turned out to be a great business, but you, you wouldn't have known that, right? So so like in my case, for example, right, I've got a company that I believe in long-term. The company is called SoFi. The ticker is SOFI. I am long from a little, from it's like 20 and a quarter or 20, 50. Somewhere in that low to mid $20 range is where I am long from. Right, it's been a piece of garbage, hot garbage for me. I bought this. When did I buy this? Uh, probably in June. Probably in June. Maybe, but yeah, somewhere in that June, June range is when I bought stuff. It is sucked. It sucks. Right. It sucks to see a company that you believe in, you know, suck for you and drag down your portfolio. But that's kind of that's kind of the way it goes. Sometimes you have to know that going in. Right, like nothing for me, nothing about SoFi has changed in the last six months. Right, I am not selling. Granted, I have a very, very, very small position, but I'm not selling. Okay, and this kind of thing can happen, and it's painful to, to deal with it. Right, to have a company that you believe in and, and have it be a, just a total drag because 
it's being grouped together with with all the other high growth things that maybe aren't as good businesses. So the market doesn't care if you're good business, bad business, you know, uh, real sales, fictional sales. When when your factor is out of favor, in this case, it's growth. They throw them all out the door, and that's what's happening here, and it stinks. So you kind of just have to grit your teeth, close your eyes, and get through it. Um, if you're small, if you've got half your portfolio in this thing, that's a whole different story, right? But if you're small into this thing like me, then that's that's what I'm doing. That's all I can say. Yeah, Christian says, SoFi, it, my SoFi is Palantir right now. Yeah, I mean, why, why do I like SoFi, Andy? Um, I think that SoFi is kind of the future of the banks. It's kind of like, like the bank of the future. They do everything. They do banking. They do investing. They do crypto. They do lending. But they do it in a way where they're, they're not all fee-based. They're, they're very, very, very consumer-friendly, right? Um, and they're just, they're just more – like you see, oh, they do ETFs too, right? They, they have a couple ETFs. Um, I think one of their ETFs may have been actually like the top performer of the year for a hot second there. But um, the, the thing I noticed about SoFi is that like they're able to just spin up like new businesses like really fast. Um, I don't like the idea of owning like financials. I don't love the idea of owning banks. The one thing that uh, 07, 08, 09 kind of taught all of us is like we can never really know what is on a bank's balance sheet. And the same applies to SoFi too. Um, but I kind of look at SoFi as like the bank of the future. I believe in like fintech, which is what SoFi to me is kind of like the king of the fintechs. Um, obviously, it's a little expensive. If we go to the overview here, we can see um, a price to sales of 14. That's not a little. That's 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 very expensive, frankly. So I admit that I'm I'm you know I'm breaking a little bit of my own rules here. But again, I'm small on this thing. I've got like two percent of my portfolio in SoFi. So. It won't kill me. Um, yeah, but- I, I like SoFi long term too, but I want to see them become a leader in one of those. Yeah, uh, you know, many things that that they do. They they have that going for them that they're kind of a jack of all trades. It's a one stop shop for all your financial needs for investing, for lending, like you said, and and the bank charter that Aaron, as Aaron Sachs, we're, we've been waiting on the bank charter. We're not, we haven't gotten it yet. I don't know when it's coming, but I thought it'd be here by now. I know. Um, all right, Spencer, I want to go ahead and pull up my screen real quick. Okay. Um, Let's do it. So I, I'm showing. So last week we talked about implementing stop orders in your trades. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and do that right now on my Twitter position on Robinhood. Oh, this man. is one of the reasons that I love Robinhood is making these stop orders is so simple that I can manage my um, positions without me having to watch them all the time. So if we take a look at Twitter's chart, we can see that we were in this downtrend for a while. We hit this low uh, of a right around $41, and we've started to come back up. Um, but I'm a little worried about, about Twitter in the short term. It's up 5.5% today. But yep. – I'm going to go ahead and put a stop loss order. So I'll zoom in right here so you can see I'm putting my stop price at $40. So if we drop below that $41 price, what this will do is it will trigger a sale of my two shares without me having to actually do it. So that way, if I'm, you know, on the beach or something and don't have my computer or phone and Twitter starts crashing, that I can have um, the Wait, piece. The beach in December? I guess you could travel somewhere. Yeah, not okay. here. Not not, Bel- here. not Belle Isle Beach. Okay. I'm talking okay. Miami Beach, 
uh, maybe Bora Bora. I don't know, somewhere okay. more tropical. But okay. say I'm there. I'm not going to be there, but say I am. I'll pretend. Um, I can sell these Twitter shares for $40. That's if it crashes through the, the previous um, support that we had. And I can have the peace of mind knowing that, hey, I don't have to be managing the positions from the beach. I know my money will be safe. Um, so, again, I'll zoom in right here. You are placing a good for day. So, okay, I want to change that. I want it to be – let me try to – Change this. Refresh this real quick. Because I don't want it to just be good for day. Yeah. I want yeah. it to be you, you want it to be good till canceled. Exactly. Ah. Stop <laughs> loss order. Good till canceled. Stop price forty dollars. Both my shares. Uh, that means that if Twitter drops below that price, you are placing a good till canceled stop loss order to sell two shares of Twitter. When the price of Twitter reaches $40, your order will be converted to a market order. So you can also do this with a limit order, but at that point, I, I don't really care. I just want to get out of the get out of the shares and, and get my money back in the account. Um, so let's put that out there. Done. Your stop loss to sell two shares of Twitter has been placed. There so that go. is one thing I like about Robinhood is, is making those stop losses is just very seamless, very easy. makes it a lot easier for me to manage my positions. The other great thing is I mentioned, you know, that I opened my uh, I opened an Ethereum position, and Spencer, I've, uh, y- you know, I've gone around to different platforms and bought crypto. Right, I've mm-hmm. gone to. Um, Voyager, which is very good. I've gone to mm-hmm. Kraken, where I've had to, you know, buy Ethereum, transfer it into a different crypto to buy Solana or Cardano or whatever it's it is. Yeah. It's complicated. You know, it's not complicated. No. Buying Ethereum on Robinhood. Oh. I'll show you. Watch. Fifty dollars. Review order. Submit by. Boom. I just purchased this much ETH. Hit my account. Boom. I can scroll down here. See my history. See where I bought Ethereum at. It, it's just so easy. See, for me. I can't even do that. Maybe I'm just dumb, but like, it, that could be it. But I don't even know how to do that on Coinbase. Like how to? It's e- I have Coinbase too. It's easier <laughs> on Robinhood than it is on Coinbase. I could just be stupid, but I I don't know. I mean, how do I find my cost basis? I don't know. And, that, and, I, and I get that. People in the chat saying that you don't ha- they don't have wallets. You don't actually own it. Who cares? I'm just buying it as an investment. I'm not buying this Ethereum to send it to someone or to, to convert it to a different you're, crypto. You're not keeping your crypto in cold storage? No, I'm literally no. just buying it as an investment. All right. Yeah, th- that's what I'm doing it for as well. So um, I have a Robinhood account. I don't have any money in it. All right, well, let's get that funded. Maybe maybe I should. Well, uh, I got too many accounts, man. I got Fidelity. I got Webull. I got T-Row. I got Coinbase. It's too much. It's too much. I'm up 45% on this little Baba call that I opened. Managing much. my positions. I had Moderna calls into today that I opened on Friday that I couldn't sell. That obviously got smacked. So, um, yeah, watching Baba for the rest of the day. Shout out Gregory in the chat. Um, like like I said, we've got it added to the watch list. We have, uh, what, is it just Palantir and, and Baba on the watch list just right two, now? Just two. Just right, two. Give us, throw, throw out some tickers in the chat for other tickers we should add to the watch list, to the Benzinga right. Live watch list this week, and we'll be checking in on those stocks all week. Oh, they're all saying it's not just me, that Coinbase doesn't do that. That's so dumb. Why can't Coinbase show me my cost basis? That's all I want to know. Uh, here are some stocks for your watch list, AB. Crew stocks, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, Carnival, um, for the most part, having very good days today. Look at that chart. Look at that chart up there. The yellow is the spy. Okay. 
Look at look at the purple and the blue. Uh, World Caribbean and Carnival Cruise Lines up and Norwegian up between five and eight percent today. Look at that. Why? Because the Omicron fears were overblown, perhaps. 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 I don't know. I mean, it's just there's a strong argument to be made that if you if you zoom out on some of these charts, that okay, most I, of these I, I would do that. Most of these companies are not yet at their pre-COVID levels, right? Yes. A lot of stocks out there in the market, maybe most of them, have gotten to or surpassed their pre-COVID levels. So there's an argument to be made that hey, there's still value in these stocks. They got to get back up to where they were pre-COVID. But then if you look at it a little closer, a lot of these stocks are actually in a downtrend already going into COVID. Mm-hmm. My yeah, thing, Spencer, true. is I think there are just other exciting investment opportunities out there that okay. might catch investors' eyes a little bit more so than uh, some some stinky old cruise companies. Okay, so you're doing something that I always fail to do, which is uh, consider that we all only have so much capital to invest. And... You have to be diligent with that. So even though you're saying you don't necessarily hate the cruise lines, you're saying you're not so. There's more out there that that gets you more excited. There's other things out there that you'd rather buy than the cruise lines. Right. right. Like if we're looking at the collective wallet of all investors, institutional retailers, say there's a hundred dollars yeah. in it. Okay. I hope there's more, but say there's a hundred dollars. Okay. I don't think a lot of those dollars are going to cruise lines. Maybe a couple. Uh, wait, wait. Do you mean like? Wait, I'm. Are you referring to like spending, or you mean like the stock? I'm trying to understand here. Do, do you you mean like? Am I spending money on a cruise, or am I spending money to invest in Carnival? I'm talking about the actual investment. Okay. Oh, the inve- the stocks. Right. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if you mean like no. actual. No. Okay. Okay. I, in fact, I think investors out there that are making a lot of money in these markets right now are way more likely to spend their money going on a cruise than they are buying the cruise stocks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd be down with that for sure. That, yeah, like a lot of people, right, this, this conversation is uh, getting hard to follow. A lot, of, a lot of people talk a big game wanting to go on cruises. And, uh, that being said, I would, I would, I've been thinking about it, but I would go and like, I, I would go on a cruise in, in the next year, but finish your point about the, uh, people not allocating their money to cruise stocks. That's what you were saying. Right. So, so say it's all cash. Say all, all collective you know, investors have their cash in a wallet. I yeah. think there are other more exciting investment opportunities um, that that money will be allocated toward, You know, whether it's in growth, whether it's in crypto, whether it's in uh, you know, fintech. We were just right. talking about SoFi. There are just a lot sexier names out there <laughs> that have, over history, proven to give better returns. Um, so to me, we, we will still see those inflows and outflows um, out of certain things and into certain things. So do I think we could continue to see money going into to some of these cruise lines? Sure. Do I think it'll be on pace with some other names out there? No. This is your uh, reminder that um, just because a stock crashes, in this case, the cruise lines, this is Norwegian here, just because the stock crashes due to a crisis, does not mean when the crisis ends, the stock has to come back. We're talking about this all the time on pre-market prep. But if I bring up a long-term chart of any of the banks, I'm going to pick on Citigroup for no reason, um, and go out to the great financial crisis of 2007, 2008. Look at this. Look at this chart. Citigroup ain't never coming back to where it was pre-Great Recession. Never. 
Ever, 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 ever. Maybe in a hundred years, if we still have a society in a hundred years. Because it's taken uh, 13 years to go. What was the what was the low there? The low was 13, 14. We'll call it low 14. It's taken 13 years to go from 14 to 63. So it's gone up by what what is that? A factor of a factor of three, or 14 times three, 14 times four, right? It ain't. It doesn't have to come back. It doesn't have to come back. Please remember that. Um, Aaron, the chat is is dropping some um, some tickers for so, our watch list. Some tickers for the watch list, uh, or tickers that are more sexy than the cruise lines. Let's see if we or can both or or both. Um, a lot of them. Oh, holy here. cow! My Baba calls are breaking out. Really? Oh yeah. Oh man. Okay. Um, what like like how? Um, like last time I checked, they were up like forty percent. Now they're up fifty-seven percent. Okay, good deal. Good deal. Baba's up more than nine percent now on the day. I'm just trying to get back to even on the day, Spencer. Like I mentioned, I had some positions that I had to hold into this morning. Yes, you did. Uh, including a Moderna call, which obviously with with Moderna down, um, bigly down B- bigly, bigly, DJ. bigly. Okay, so a few tickers being dropped in the chat. Uh, S T R N. Ooh yes, this is that, that they were at uh, all at the Strand. If you missed it, I interviewed uh, the founder or one of the founders of Strand uh, last Thursday, right? Yes, it was Thursday uh, on Benzinga All Access. If you missed it, go over to YouTube.com/slash/Benzinga, go to the videos tab, and find the All Access show from last from Thursday, where I I talked to the CEO. Uh, or the, and the co-founder of STRN. Uh, that is one. Uh, you can also check out, Shelly wants you to look at Airbnb and Macy's. Uh, we can look at, how is my Airbnb doing? It's one of my better performers. At, at least it was. Not, not anymore. Well, I don't know if you <laughs> know this about Strand, Spencer. Uh, tell me. But a certain... Do we, uh, use, do we use them? No. Oh, okay. Matty Ice already said in the chat what I was going to say. God damn it, man. Well, I, I don't see. All right. A, a certain uh, Saved by the Bell character. Uh-huh. Screech? Was uh, talking about them RIP. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's true. Was talking about STRN uh, on his Twitter. And Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Was that today? No. Over the weekend, I believe. I, I don't know. I'm not a uh, Mr. Zach Morris expert by any means, so I don't know if that was his first time talking about the stock on Twitter or if he just made a, a post talking about it over the weekend. Um, but, yeah. It is so wild to me that, like, like the Atlas crew, you know, and, and we've had Hugh Henney on the show uh, a bunch uh, and at our uh, uh, boot camps. They're so influential. Isn't that crazy to think about? I mean, it's not the first time in history that you've had people out there that have had, uh, I, I guess you could say, influence on certain stocks. Um, but it, it's in this new age. I feel like it, it's the first time we're really seeing that, you know? Yeah. In this new age yeah. of retail investors and yeah. social media. Um, you know, I know before my time, but I know back in the, the 2000s during the, two, the dot-com bubble, it was... You know, a lot of people that had newsletters would throw a stock in yeah. their newsletter. Yeah. Or, or and, and like the Yahoo chat room is what they always talk about. 
Yahoo chat room. Yeah, that's what they always say. Oh, yeah, I remember the Yahoo chat rooms or the AOL chat rooms. Oh, well, now it's, now it's Discord. I remember having an AIM, AOL Messenger. Everybody, right now, drop your AIM screen name in the chat. Mine was CardsFan7550. Did you only have one? I had several. Um, my, my first screen name I'll put in the chat was SportsWiz515. Sports Wiz, I think. I think that was it. Yeah, mine was cars. Sports Wiz 515. Oh, Genius101. That's a good one. Uh, everyone had the, uh, the, the, the phrase followed by the number. That can't be. It's Mike Moffitt, Starbucks Punk 88 question mark. Some of these I'm not buying. Logan, is, this is too cliched. This is too cliched. This is too cliched. Logan, are you messing with this? Is was that real? Was that real for you? <laughs> um, some of you guys are 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 uh, messing around, but okay, yeah, we all had aim. I think my last one, which is actually still my e- my like very first email address that I get redirected to. It was like Yankees fan, Yankee Yankees fan ninety one. I think was the. By uh, the way, whatever just happened to. AOL in general. Uh, like Yahoo buy them? Who who bought uh so so Yahoo shoot. Yeah, I mean AIM just AIM just shut down, you know that like like 3 years ago, right? Like, I know, I'm like, talking about the AOL company as a whole. Um, AOL well, was huge well at one they point. merged with Time Warner, right? There's the Ty- AOL Time Warner, then they split apart a few years later. I think Verizon bought what was left of them. Okay. Uh, they, but I remember there was a thing because they just they just shut down AIM in like 2000. Yeah, I've seen parent organizations, Verizon, Yahoo, and AOL Holdings. Co. They ju- I, don't, I don't think AIM shut down until like 2017. And I, I know that there was like there was a, a, a thing. I remember reading an article about this because a lot of traders still used AIM. Really? To, yeah. So there was like a whole thing like, oh, shoot, AIM is being shut down. What do we do? Anyway. All right, y'all. Again, drop some tickers in the chat for anything we should add to our watch list this week. We will make it a point each episode. Wait, so, so should we add Strand? Sorry, I didn't. Sure. I didn't, yeah, let's I add it. I let's add it. I, I, I saw someone talk about Roblox as well. Okay. Um, I'm adding Strand, and I'm adding Roblox. Yeah, give us, like, a reason why we need to add it. Yeah. Don't just. Yeah, that's a great idea. Don't just give us a ticker. Give us a reason why. Aaron Sachs, are you the Aaron Sachs that I that I grew up with? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh man, I think we would know that by now, right? Okay, Greg, Greg is dropping K Web and DocuSign. Hey, uh, Aaron Breed, trivia question. Um, this is a tricky one. How many shares of DocuSign do you think ARK Invest bought across all their funds on Friday? I will um Give you some frame of reference here. Okay, I I, I got to give you a frame of reference. Um, it was across three of their funds, and the total volume in DocuSign total of seventy six million shares of DocuSign traded hands on Friday. Seventy six million. Um, how many shares do you think? Of that seventy-six million, were Kathy? Well, the seventy-six million is just the tra- tra- change hands, right? Right. How many shares do you think Ark Invest bought 
on Friday across all their funds. On a day the stock was down like 45%. I'll say they went out and bought 10 million shares of DocuSign. All right. That, that was, a, that was, that was a, a big number. It wasn't quite that big. Um, it, was, it was still big. It was 750,000 shares. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even... Okay. So, but that's... So 750,000 times 145 or whatever. Time, we'll, we'll call it whatever we'll the call view. We'll call it 135. We'll, we'll call it the view. We'll call it... Well, no. Let's call it like 160. I mean... So what was it at on Friday? Oh, no. Okay. Well, the high was 155. Okay, fine. We'll call it 140. Call it 140. Sure. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a that's an epic dip buy. That is the dip buy of all dip buys right there. The stock is down forty percent in one day. You came in and you bought three quarters of a million shares. Well, that's like investing one hundred and one. Is like don't go out and buy a stock just because it's down forty percent. <laughs> and they went out and did the opposite of that. Um, I guess. Hey, look, it's up seven percent today. They they could easily make. Make a quick buck if they sell that today. I don't think uh, Ark has to worry about PDT like I do. Christian's asking if they're running out of cash. That, I don't think that's quite like how it works. As long as they, they have inflows, as long as they have money going into the fund, they have, they have capital, right? So let's, let me look at something real fast here. There, there's a tool you can use, if, and you can Google it too. It's called ETF Fund Flows. Uh, there's a few different tools uh, that exist online. You can go to the ETF.com, for example, which is where I'm going to go right now. I'm going to search ARK, just ARKK, you know, the, the, the flagship fund. Um, and I'll start arbitrarily here. Maybe I can share my screen while I do this so you guys can see what I'm doing here. So let's share. Stop sharing that, and we'll reshare uh, ETF.com. This is a nice, nice free tool, okay? Free, free uh, publicity for them. So ARKK, we'll do start date, start date arbitrarily. Let's just go, what, the start of June. I'm just picking it out of the hat. Okay, start of June, and we'll end it. Um, 2021, the first. All right. Do you think she's going to take any profits? Five months. Five months. Okay. Eric KK. Oh, actually, she has two uh, two bill worth of outflows, one point nine billion worth of outflows. That's interesting. So money has actually come out of the fund. I I would have guessed. Um, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't have guessed that. But let's compare it with ARKW and ARKG and ARKF. Let's look at all of these together here. Let's see what we got here. All right. So net outflows again. This is going from June through the uh, end of November. Let's let's zoom in. Let's zoom in a little bit. Let's just look at the past couple of months. Let's just go like September, October, November here. That's what we're gonna do. Last three months. Okay, net outflows too across the board. Interesting. Um, the bottom line to answer your question, Christian, is uh, I don't I don't know, but you really got to be watching the flows, right? If if there are massive outflows, that's that's important to know. Uh, in this case, ARKK. Uh, let, let's go year to date. So year to date, ARKK has. Let's go uh, through there. That's fine. Um, ARKK has has. Look, year to date, they have net inflows. Year to date, ARKK has taken in about five billion dollars of new money. Just to give you an idea of how much money 
flowed into this thing in the first half of the year a lot because we just saw they've had outflows since june outflows of uh what do we say 1.9 yep let's all right how about this spencer it's december 6th right now i don't know how many more trading days we have left of the year of 2021 i'll say 15 or so i don't know um you get to choose yeah between kathy wood i'll I'll give you the choice between any of the funds within arc okay or berkshire hathaway which one has a better return in the last 15 days of the year class b or class a i'm just kidding um oh it's basically asking do you think growth or value is going to be more in favor over the next 15 days good question see my heart wants to say value i'm sorry my brain wants to say value my heart wants to say growth. What, what do we think, chat? This is a great question. Let, let's first figure out. So we've got apples um, up to 0.7 percent today. It does so. So wait, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That's a off day, I think. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. We've got I think I think seventeen. I think seventeen trading days left of the year. Because I think New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve market is either closed or a half day. I'm not quite sure. Well, Christmas Day is on a Saturday this year, so the market will be closed on... On Friday. So Christmas Eve is, is an off day, and New Year's Eve is an off day. So we have 17 days left. Trading days left. That's how the, I just counted real fast. So what do we think, guys? Christian Gallagher wants to go <laughs> Warren. Oh, I, th- I thought that meant uh, Elizabeth. I thought you were thinking Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Spencer, you've been reading too much Politico. Oh, man. I don't know why I interpreted that. Um, Jim Jim Habash, is he saying value? Jennifer is saying win. She wants us to look at win. We'll take a look okay. at win after we... Yeah, we can look at win. Yeah. Yeah, the brain says value. The heart says growth. Okay. Let's do this. Whatever I say, are you going to go the opposite? Is yeah. That, oh, great. <laughs> All right. From now until the end of 2021, I'm going to say that Berkshire Hathaway has a better better performance than Kathy would. All right. I'm taking Kathy. And I get to pick the fund. I'll go. <laughs> He's going to go with the safest one there. He's going to go with like the the um no, no. The, the, the genomics one. That's no, like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go ARKG. That's the genomics oh. one. It's the one that's not even down as much. I thought I thought that was a. Uh, uh, I thought ARKG was different. I'll do. <laughs> Wait, no, that's the one that's bet. I know that's when you were talking about. <laughs> that's the better performer. I thought G stood for growth, and it was like an ultra growth version of ARKK, which is obviously all growth. I'll go right. ARKW, next generation internet. That's all right. This is a win win for me because I I'm, I own that. So if he's right, it means it was good for me. If I'm right, it means I was right. Anyway. Wait, 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 he's saying go air, go ARK AR- fintech. Yeah, the fintech one. That, that's got SoFi in it. Okay, so again, win-win for you. Um, I'm looking at the charts; they all oh, look. Pretty I'm sorry, similar. I'm sorry, Florida, Florida. Why do I think that KG was up the most? Maybe I am misremembering. I apologize. Maybe that's good for me. Maybe that means that we got to get back to. Uh, you know what? I'll just be boring. I'll go flagship. I'll go ARKK. Okay. Wait, Christian, the leverage one isn't out yet, right? I I hope you're joking, because if it is out and I didn't see it, that'd be bad. Um. I don't, I don't think it's out I don't yet. think it is either. Yeah, I think he's joking. Okay. Uh, Wayne- Sark is the short one. That is... Oh, that's not leveraged, though, either. It's just short. 
yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. We should do a whole leveraged ETF hey, segment. This is a shameless plug. You guys ready? We're gonna have Matt Tuttle from uh, the the guy that made the Sark the short arc ETF on pre market prep tomorrow morning, eight thirty five. Check it out. Andy's asking, so today is a dead cat bounce or what? I would be careful to call today that. And the reason why is because I don't think this move is just all technical based. We have yep. catalysts out there. We have news catalysts. We have the Fed. We have Omicron variant. I think today is the market, Mr. Market just saying, hey, you know that little coronavirus variant all you guys were worried about last week? Not a big deal. I think it's just it's just chop. I think it's just chop. Nothing goes straight down. That's not how it's, it's never that easy. Can we let's pull up a daily chart of the of the spy here? Okay, so we're coming off two down weeks for the spy and the cues. But on the daily, look at this chart. It's just chop city. Look at this zoom in. Look at this chop fest. Is 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 up down up down? You know. There's nothing, nothing really to see here. So, I I, I also saw is. an interesting like headline slash uh, report from Bloomberg. <gasps> this is not, uh, you know, anything like factual or that I'd put money on or whatever. But they essentially said that um, in history, uh-huh. we saw at the end of, of the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Mm-hmm. The kind of the fizzling out of that pandemic was a variant that was more contagious, but less deadly, but less deadly. That's what I said off the top of the show. That's what when I went to get my um, antibody treatment at the hospital from when I had COVID two months ago, that's what the nurse uh, giving my IV told me. She said they were seeing way more patients from Delta is way more contagious, but, but way less deadly. Um, and if that's how Omicron is going to be and every subsequent variant, that, that's probably – I'll take that. That's a net positive Right, me, and, right? and so essentially some epidemiologists are just saying, um, hey, look, getting this more contagious variant that's less severe could actually be a good thing because it allows people to build up that resistance, to build those antibodies without the you know, heavy risk of hospitalization, death. Um, all these terrible things that came with the the OG COVID nineteen. Yep. Yep. Remember, our OG before even was COVID nineteen. We were just all calling it Corona. Yeah, it's true. Well, I, people still call it that. I know. The Rona. The Rona. People still call it that. I see. I thought it was. I thought it was scarier once they started calling it COVID nineteen. It sounded more serious. I don't know. It sounded you, more. You know dire. what is crazy is it's almost two years, dude. Because remember that uh, the outbreak happened in China. Right around the end, right, it was like the first cases were in December. Yeah. So it's a, we're coming out two years now. I think I've told this story before, but I, I still remember exactly where I was in, in Columbia, Missouri, in like December of 2019, seeing a headline pop up on my uh, on my Twitter. I think it was maybe from like BBC World or like one of these like world news accounts that I follow. And it yeah. was just like, new SARS-like virus found in Wuhan, China. And I was like, oh. That doesn't sound good. That's probably good. no big deal. Yeah, I, was, I was like, it doesn't sound good, but like, that, yeah, like I see those headlines all the time. Like we saw, <laughs> we saw all those headlines with uh, Ebola, Zika, yeah. you know, all these different 
uh, viruses that came and went. I see this headline and I just completely brushed it off. But I acknowledged it to the point where like when I started seeing more headlines two weeks ago, I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Didn't, didn't I see something about that? Should I be worried? No. Not a big deal. Probably nothing. And then when I knew it was a big deal, especially in the going to be in the markets financial world, was in the last week of February, February. Yeah. Italy canceled all, all their Serie A uh, soccer games on like a Friday. Like all like Juventus, AC Milan, everyone was supposed to play on Saturday, and they were like, you know what? Nope. And I'm like, okay, Italians, Italians love soccer. Why would they cancel this stuff? This must, this must be pretty serious. Yeah. Um, and that, that was kind of my sign. Like, all right, I'm going to go buy some puts. And it worked out for you. Very well. All right. Uh, someone suggested we look at win, add a win to the watch list. Uh, here's a uh, chart of win. This is, this is uh, yeah, let's go full year to date here. Gosh, I, I don't know what to say about these casinos. They're so, so punished. And win like Aaron just said with regards to the cruise lines, it wasn't as if when it was going, was it in an uptrend before COVID, right? It wasn't. This is a, a four-year chart, three-year chart, okay? Uh, no, four-year chart. Um, this was a stock in the downtrend before the pandemic. That being said, it has been a brutal 2021 for not just win, all the casinos, right? Let, let's just compare it. Let's bring up LVS, MGM, uh, we'll go Pen, we'll go CZR, we'll go um, oh, what's the other one? DraftKings. Uh, no, well we can go DKNG, sure. And then let's go, let's go. Um, was it LCA or LAC? LAC. No, no, Ginog, Ginog. That's it. Golden, yeah, Nugget, Golden Nugget. Okay. So, um, 2021. Look at all these. Okay. So what, what do we have here? MGM. I did not expect. MGM and Caesars to be up like that. That's interesting. Well, I think the ones that are more punished are the ones that had more exposure Ooh. to. Say, I'm waiting for you to say it. Macabre. What? What? What was that? I don't know. <laughs> Macau. 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 Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Win and Las Vegas Sands have a lot more exposure to Macau than uh wait where's where's pen my pen is like off the screen here oh it's down there but so okay that's a good point ab but look at pen pen is in yellow okay you can't really see it here but look at the yellow line pen has zero read zero exposure to china it's gotten punished DraftKings gotten punished yeah, well, I, so I think DraftKings and Penn are a lot more similar to each other than they are to MGM or Caesars. Sure, sure. I hear that. Um, the is that because the, the the barstool thing, or it's because I think both. Um, with DraftKings, you're obviously thinking about the online DraftKings. At sports app, the fantasy app, and, and I think the same thing with Penn is that for a lot of investors, the first thing they think of with Penn is the Barstool sports app and just Barstool in general, whereas Caesars and MGM are more like your traditional Las Vegas plays, casinos, um, but obviously MGM and Caesars both have their own um, yeah. sportsbook apps, so I don't know, Penn does have 
We'll have to look at Penn's uh, like portfolio of casinos because I know they, they don't have many. I know right on the onset of the COVID nineteen pandemic, Penn sold the Trop, Tropicana, big famous casino out in Vegas that it had bought like a couple years old earlier, and they sold it for a loss, which is like never a good sign of a company if they're selling it for like a hundred million dollars to raise up some cash. Interesting. Uh, you know, companies don't go out and sell properties they bought a couple years ago for a loss unless uh, they like need to free up some money on their balance sheet. I don't remember that happening, but I do remember Las Vegas Sands selling the Las Vegas Sands Casino in Vegas. So, yeah, it seemed like there was like this 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 uh, rush to get out of Vegas. Um, to the person who suggested we look at a win, I mean, I don't know what to say. The whole darn industry has gotten so slacked here that like. It, it almost brings, you know, you, like you have to say, like, at, at some point, at some point, there's the got to stop going down, right? The question is, we don't know when that is, but... Um, Wait, it, Christian Gallagher is saying, I realized it was a big deal talking about COVID when they canceled a basketball game after everyone was already there. Yeah. I'd be kind of pissed. Be like, well, we're already all here. Yeah. If we were all going to spread this virus to each other, we probably already would have. Let's just play the game. Yeah. Uh, but like at some point they gotta stop going down. You would you would think, wouldn't you? You would I think. thought that in because I was seeing reports um, from people in Vegas over the summer saying like demand was just off the you know off the charts. That like clubs had long wait lists, pool party, you know, the casino, everything. But maybe that was also due to like a staff shortage. I have no clue. But I really thought in the summer that some of these casinos would be good plays, and it hasn't really worked out. So I'm on the sideline for a lot of these, Spencer. But if, uh, yeah, I mean, again, like the cruise stocks, there's an argument to be made that eventually these stocks should get back to their pre-COVID levels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just comes down to the fact that every single stock – did every single stock – Top out in in February of this year. It does feel like it, doesn't it? No, so no. It's so so many. Florida, Florida. That's what I'm saying, right? There was this huge January and February, and maybe even early March of, of this year, right? Like just huge run ups and everything. It just feels like every stock went topped out in January or February of this year. It just feels like it. It feels like it. it's not true though. Apple was at 143 at the end of January, at yeah. 165 today. Uh, maybe a lot of not great stocks topped out in January or February. Whoa, who are you calling not great? I don't know. <laughs> All of that. The, the VU or the S&P 500 was at. Yeah, I, I know. It, it, was, it was lower than it is. <laughs> I, I, I know. Safe to say. Okay. Um, hey, real fast, uh, before I forget. I want to run through the earnings calendar uh, here for the week. Yeah, we actually have some big names this week. We actually do. Uh, let me share my screen, share the little little graphic that I'm looking at right now. Oh, crap. I have to. Uh, one second, guys. I got to pull it up somewhere else. There we go. Share screen, bada bing, bada boom. There we go. Earnings for the week as such. After the uh, the bell today, Coupa, Coupa Software, MongoDB, Sumo Logic, and GitLab. So we've got some software names tonight. That's interesting. 
tomorrow morning. Ooh, you know what I can't wait for tomorrow morning? AutoZone. I want to see what they're going to say with regards to um, inflation and their input costs and what they're passing on to the consumer and also uh, supply chain. How easy or difficult is it for them to get stuff into their stores? That'll be interesting. Tomorrow after the close, Toll Brothers. Definitely want will will want to look at what the other home builders already said, but Toll Brothers tomorrow after the close. They don't do like the tolls on the roads. No. Okay. Uh, Dave and Buster's interesting reopening play. Haven't been to one of those in like three or four years. We got uh, on Thursday Thor Industries. Oh, that might be bad. Is Thor is that that's the same Thor that does the uh, the um, the RVs, right, guys? I know there's multiple Thor companies, but that's... <laughs> Some of these companies I didn't even know were public. Like like Dave & Buster's? Like Casey's. K- yeah, Casey's General Store. Um, I love Casey's. You know, if, if Thor, if that's the same, the, the, the RV play that I'm thinking of, then that could be bad because we're reopened here. Um, Weber Grills, their first report, I believe, since the, since the IPO. Um, GameStop. Do we care about GameStop's earnings on Wednesday? Mm, I don't yeah, know. I do. I care about them. Okay. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to trade. Okay, them. we got Hormel. We got an inflation hedge. Hormel, right? Passing their uh, higher costs onto us. We got Costco on Thursday. That'll be a big one. Ooh. Lululemon on Thursday. Lulu. Let, hey, hey, we're Spencer. Put this in the in the notes for the show this week on on Wednesday. We'll have to find a way. How we want to YOLO trade Lulu's earnings. Why can't it be tomorrow? Why can't it be tomorrow? Yeah. Because- oh, wait, wait. Why can't it be Thursday? Oh, you're right. Yeah, on Thursday. <laughs> on, thir- on Thursday. The day of he wants. Right. <laughs> okay. I don't, want to, I don't want to mess with that theta decay from now until Thursday. <laughs> yeah, it only wants it four hours before they report. Lulu is one of those stocks that I feel confident will move four or five percent or more in either direction don't know if it's going to be positive don't know if it's going to be negative i'll do some dd i'll look into it and uh we'll yolo trade lulu option lulu earnings one way or the other uh bubba sheep likes chewy they're out for the close on thursday there is a there's someone that lives in my in, in my building and every probably on on average one and a half times a week i get home and there was like a gigantic chewy box must have Outside. a hung, must have a hungry dog. They must have like four dogs. Yellow love sack. I haven't I haven't heard about love sack in a while. That was one that went kind of crazy during COVID. You, you know, we, that's what we have in the office. Really? The the the, the, the gigantic cushions. Oh, okay. Uh, I was in a love sack store on Black Friday, and there was nobody else in there. Okay, <laughs> it was just me. We're short love sack. Just me. We're short love sack <laughs> off of Spencer's alternative data. Uh, Spencer was out all Black Friday tracking foot traffic in different stores. He was not impressed with Love Sacks. Um, how was Lulu's? Uh, we didn't go in because the she, line was too long. <laughs> no, she didn't want to go in, so we didn't go in. But the, it did look crowded. It did look crowded. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To answer your question. Um, See, uh, Lulu's just such a monster. The company makes so much money, but they're, the market's getting flooded. More and more of these athleisure brands are coming in. I've talked to a lot of um, girls that are, are going to like, tar- they're like, yeah, these Target leggings are like just as good as Lulu. <laughs> 
Sorry, I was reading the chat. Um, yeah, it's crowded. Uh, and Lulu's are expensive and Target's not, right? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. Yeah. There's another uh, clothing brand play that I, I want to throw on my watch list. It, oh. The problem is... Should we put it on our watch list? No? We can. The problem is it's, it's just OTC right now because it's okay. a Canadian company. Okay. What is it? It's called Aritzia. I never heard of that. What is it? What is it? It's a, um, it's kind of like a nicer, like it's like a Zara almost. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> you don't know what Zara is? No, sorry. Okay. It's like a, a trendy woman's clothing brand, Aritzia is. Okay. And apparently it's like getting really hot. Okay. And I haven't done a lot of DD on it, but that's okay. why I'm not saying I'm going to buy it right now. I want to add it to my watch list because I've been hearing about it. Um, they're kind of, I see them like in between a, a high-end designer brand and Lululemon. Okay. Somewhere in between there. Wait, Lulu is? Uh, uh, they're a designer brand, but they're not like high-end. I'm they're talking not, like. Uh, they're high-end for me, man. What can yeah. I say? Uh, all right. It is 127 here. How many likes do we have? Not enough. We're below 100. Right. Jeez. We're at 84. Can we get to 150 likes before we bring on our next guest in two minutes, Chris Capri from Second Skies Trading? I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Something else I want to uh, plug while we're here uh, in the plugging portion of our show is there will not be a Benzinga Live show this Wednesday or this Thursday. AB, do you know why? Boo. Um, yes, I do know why. Of course I know why. Of course, he knows why. Tell me. Uh, this week is the final Benzinga Small Cap Conference of the year. We have gathered between 30 and 50 uh, public companies to come out over the course of two days and give presentations and give you the chance to speak directly to them, ask them your questions, hopefully get some answers. Uh, this will, I think, will... I think after this, we'll have done, what, like seven or eight of, of these virtual uh, conferences this year, these, 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 these major uh, events that take months to put together. Uh, so props to our events team for doing that. Um, last one of the year, this week, Wednesday and Thursday, it'll be right here on our YouTube channel. You can also register for some more perks at bzsmallcap.com. Here's a quick look at what to expect this week. Check it out, bzsmallcap.com. Jay Rice, why you gotta be so mean, Jay Rice? Jay Rice goes, it must be the bottom if you have Tuttle on tomorrow, the bottom of Arc. Jay Rice, you're mean. Wait, uh, why, why does that mean? I don't know, because he's saying well, Benzinga is the contraindicator, is what that means. Wait, wait, Tuttle is the one doing the SARK? Yes. Okay. 
Uh, and, and, and David Lynn, to answer your question, yes, the way our virtual events work is the companies on our virtual events do pay to be there. But what they do not, uh, what they get with that is your random ass questions, right? Yep. So, oh, okay, Sensor, real quick before we go to Chris, I, I've got one more little quiz question for you. Okay, I'm ready. Guess Berkshire Hathaway's oh, gosh, you're gonna... return over the past five years. Their average annual? No. The total? Total return over the past five years versus ARKK's average return over the last uh, five It's going to be not even close. Uh, okay, so Berkshire's, ha- uh, Berkshire's return, total return over the last five years. to go with I, this is probably someone that i should know off the top of my head one of those things um 25 percent a five-year return that wouldn't be good at all that'd be like 25 percent. that'd be five percent a year yeah it's a value it's a, it's a value play no Va- it's, value's been bad 76 percent right, okay. over the past five years all right, and kathy is i'm gonna just pull a number out of my ass four thousand no not that much <laughs> But it's what is it? Uh, three hundred and seventy percent. Right. That's about uh, a little less than eighty percent a year. Right. Uh, S and P five hundred over the past five years, a hundred and eight percent. See, James says twenty five was a good guess. It's value. Twenty value stocks have been bad. Okay, I, I'm just saying. Right, if I went right. out and bought for a four hundred fifty thousand dollars share of Burke A, and I only got five percent a year i'd be kind of upset honestly i'd be I'd, upset just by, I'd be upset too i'd be upset just the fact that i'd be underperforming the s p 500. all right you, you you win you win this round let's bring on chris capri from second skies trading he's got some stuff on his watch list let's see what they are chris he's, he's shaking his head at us he is disappointed as always what's up man not disappointed at all <laughs> <laughs> actually I'm happy michigan's having a good uh sports week good sports week lions Broke the curse, and also the Wolverines, man, they look good. They look good the last two games. They look really strong. It was a unusually good sports weekend for the, for those of us in the uh, Mitten State, but yeah. um, you, we'll see if it lasts. Uh, Chris, what's on your radar today? What, what what stocks are you looking at? All right. Well, first off, I kind of want to just uh, share the screen to kind of explain what's going on in the markets. Yes. So what is this? This is a VIX. Uh, and as y'all know, so here, let me overlay this with the S&P 500. New price scale. There we go. Oh, no, that was wrong. VIX over S&P? Over SPY, yeah. I'm going to guess there's a inverse Inverse correlation? correlation? Yep. <laughs> okay. So over the last, you know, two weeks, SPY's S&P 500 has not had, you know, uh, two good weeks at all. Been very bad, very strong selling. And VIX made it over 30, which historically is pretty heavy. You know, generally, statistically, when VIX gets above 30, that's an extreme amount of fear or uncertainty in the markets. And also, statistically, the four-day 20 returns on SPIs is generally positive when VIX does hit 30. Part of that has to do with the fact that if you look at the weekly here, so I have the 30 marked out. We don't have many times above 30. You know, here's, here's COVID, which is extreme. But, and this is the, the next bounce after that, but you see the return is quick. And when VIX goes down like that, that's, you know, long equities basically. So, you know, we're, we've been popping at 30 all of last week. And as I was kind of telling my members, I said, look, 
Here's the problem with VIX at 30. Here's the real problem with VIX at 30, which is that... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As VIX has gone up, those calls, the long volatility play or the long puts, the put protection that traders have been buying on spies and the broader market gets more and more expensive. So, you know, you have VIX rising up and up and up. Put protection gets bought. And we've seen over the last few weeks that there's been a lot of short dated protection. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing that the short dated protection but the puts eventually get more and more expensive. Just like if a stock, you know, experiences a gamma squeeze, that eventually that implied volatility raises the premium so high that nobody can buy it. You know, I have it's, a BMW. It's, it's no longer it's no longer protection because you're paying so it, much for the protection. It's it's it, yeah, it's, it's still protection, but it's very expensive protection. You know, like case in point, it, I have a, a custom BMW. It's roughly seventy five k. If they were to say to me, hey, that same car today, no new features, no nothing, is now 120K, I might balk at that and be like, yeah, it's not worth it. So eventually, as the market continues, though that put protection becomes rich and eventually becomes too rich for traders to really want to keep it. They'll keep it if SPY keeps falling down. But what it also means is that VIX needs to keep making new highs. Implied volatility needs to keep making new highs. And those puts have to be gaining value because if they're not, the decay is going to start into eating that very, very quickly, especially since they were inflated over the last few weeks. And so after that kind of VIX spike here, we have seen some VIX spikes. Let me get rid of the SPY now just to kind of show you. But we have seen some, you know, kind of higher lows, higher lows, higher lows so far. But today it's kind of stalled at 30, 31. And, you know, once the like nine o'clock happened, nine o'clock Pacific, 12 Eastern, we saw that VIX start selling off pretty aggressively. If VIX makes a same low or a lower low, then that will really force those people that own those long puts to monetize them and say, hey, we're out. That allows dealers to unwind their hedges and that will actually bring a tailwind to equities. Now, I don't necessarily think we're at the bottom yet because we've got a lot of contracts in the S&P 500 expiring in the December OPEX. So next Friday, we have a lot of contracts, like well over 30%. And if you look at when the SPY really started to sell off, this, you know, the S&P 500 sold off, here's the November OPEX. This is where the volatility increase. That's because all that long calls, all that supportive sure. flow to the markets was gone. And so where do you see the expansion in the volatility in the SPX? Right after the OPEX. 
big increase in volatility. We still have that potential. So we may get a rally today. We may be bottoming now. You know, this bottom is looking very similar to the bottom that happened um, a few months ago when the S&P 500 was dropping here. So the several week sell off here. If you look at that structurally, it on the weekly chart doesn't look the same, but you can kind of see a similar bottom. You know, it's starting to stall at a particular level. And we may be stalling here at 4,500. I but, look at but, this. But you're saying, you're, saying, you're saying it may take another two, basically two weeks, this week and next. No, what I'm saying is right now, we are in a situation where there is a short-term line in the sand. And if VIX keeps falling, that will create a tailwind for equities because all those long puts in the market that were keeping the market down, they're going to have to exit as they start to lose value very rapidly. So that will relieve some of the downside pressure on the markets. Now, for me, my line in the sand is 46.07, 46.08. If we get a daily close above this or a weekly close above this, then I think that will relieve some of the pressure. But we still have that kind of bugaboo out there at the December December monthly OPEX that once all these long contracts, all the supportive contracts in this S&P 500 expire, we could see an unclenching of volatility again. And so I don't know if we're necessarily at the bottom yet. There's some constructive signs today. VIX falling off. Constructive. Very constructive. S&P 500 really pressing at this kind of 4609. Constructive. If it can close above that, very, very helpful. That will relieve a lot of the topside pressure. But we're not out of the woods yet. And so my line in the sand really right now, 4,500 to the downside, 4,609 to the upside. And so any weekly close on the outside of that will most likely portend the next direction. I I like this. So what you're basically saying, if I can um, confirm what you just said, is uh, maybe we've bought on, maybe we haven't. But regardless, next week is freaking huge. Next week's going to be huge. You got the OPEX uh, on on Friday. You got FOMC on the 15th. You got the Fed on Wednesday. I mean, it's going to be next week could be the week that determines us for a while. Yeah. And if you believe that that plus you think of some of the underlying mechanics going into the end of the year, end of the year selling for tax reasons, lower liquidity, market breadth will be poor. It kind of creates or sets a stage for a potential volatility increase. So if we start bottoming S&P 500 close above 4607 or 8, you know, this week, we could see a contraction of volatility as the market will start to get long options. But going into that FOMC and next Friday OPEX, that might unleash another round of volatility. So there might be a potential, you know, long straddle play here. As right now implied volatility is a little high. So I wouldn't recommend being long volatility right now. If you go long options, you're long volatility, really. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend being long volatility right now because it's already kind of inflated. In other words, it's expensive. But if the S&P 500 closes above the 4608 and VIX continues to track down, that will bring IV down. That will bring the premiums down. And then that might make a long volatility via strato a good play. If the FOMC or the OPEX really kind of unleashes a new round of volatility, it could be a decent play. So it's not there yet, but we're getting there. All right. So that begs the question, which is sort of already maybe hit on a little bit, but like what 
are you playing here? The, yeah. If that's that's your thesis, which is perfectly fine, uh, what are you playing? So for long side, I want to look at stocks that have maintained the most amount of strength while the S&P 500 was selling off. And so, you know, one of them that's really coming to four is MP. And so I look at MP. If you look at the last four weeks, there's a lot of stocks that have not done well. Stocks that were high flyers and kind of got overextended, AMD, Tesla, NVIDIA's, you know, anytime a stock, especially a large cap stock like that or mega cap stock goes 50, 60% in four, five, six weeks, that's overextension. You know, that's definitely, you know, it, it went a little too, it flew too high in my opinion. And that's why those stocks are pretty far off the highs. But then you look at this stock over the last four weeks, it's just been taking those, those punches on the chin and saying, yeah, okay, I'm going to sell off a little bit, but I'm not really suffering that much. And so MP Materials Corp is kind of in a good position. You know, it's rolling back right into the support area around like 3940. And it's, to me, it looks like it's trying to bottom right now. I also look at the option positioning on MP and it's not a huge option stock, maybe 110, 120,000 options. And it does have a fair amount of options rolling off this December OPEX, like about two thirds of the options. But I think we're pretty close to a base on this. So if we get a little bit of a dip, I, I'd probably be open to getting long calls. I think just being long calls is fine or longable call spread. I don't think you need to sell premium because it's been you know slowly pulling back. IV is going to be low. So because the IV is low, it'll be cheap. Premium's cheap. I think long calls are just fine. I would probably extend this out to like say January OPEX, the January monthly OPEX, right. which I think is the right. 21st. Right. Target, we, we, you know, getting long around 40, target 45, 48, and then get out. All right. We have ourselves a trade set up, everyone. Okay. And MP, MP materials. I like it. Ding, ding, ding. Can I move on? Yes, yes you, sir. Yes, you can. Okay, and then we'll we'll do one more after this, and then we'll do a uh, open Q and A. All right, so another one I'm looking at is Arc. I think Ooh. Arc. <laughs> yes. I actually um, am not crazy about getting long. I'm actually Aww. looking to sell Arc in a pullback. And part of the reason is, if you look at Arc, first off, Arc is Arc pretty much has eliminated all the gains that it made last year. So Arc, whatever it made last year, I think it was, I think like the net return on Arc her fund as a whole was like 25%. And this year it's definitely down. Like here was, here's the open. And here we are now. We're down 27% on the year. So ARC is, you know, having a rough year. And it's just, every time it finds a dip, it finds either the same highs or a lower high. And so I'm at, and the thing about ARC is, ARC is exposed to a lot of companies that are not profitable, that maybe have potential technology plays or good things down the down the road two, three, five years down the road. You know, that's kind of ARC's theme is to invest in these companies that have long-term future application, future growth. They're not quite at viable products, maybe some, but not really there. And that's why you've seen ARC really suffer this year. And so, you know, you look at it, it's kind of an exposed stock. Nobody's nobody's been pinging Kathy Wood for her advice lately because Arc's just been getting beaten down. I think this is a little bit overextended. I think we get a little bit of a profit-taking rally, but I think this rally into the 100, 105, 110, I think it finds resistance there, and then I think it sells off. 
So again, I would be open to getting long puts on this one here. I don't like the option positioning on ARC. I think it's very unfavorable. Um, there's actually right why, now- Why is that? Why is that? So two things. Prior to today, first off, you have way more puts out there than calls. So the market is short biased. You have about 470,000 calls prior to today, 681,000 puts. That's like literally 50% more puts out there than there are calls. It's also in a position where when I look at where the open interest is lying, it's kind of anemic on the call side, and yet the put side is still very robust. And so I look at that and I feel like eh, this is position for the downside. I'm not saying long-term on ARC isn't a good fund or they don't have invested in good technologies or companies, but short-term, they're in a much weaker position than say, you know, look at the S&P 500. The S&P 500 is a few weeks off the highs. How many weeks off the highs is ARC? You know, ARC peaked at 160. We're at 90. That's a massive, you know, that's way off the highs. That means for this year, other than that early January rip, it's down 43% from the highs and it's just not catching a bid. So that tells me short-term downside is favored. See, so what's interesting what, what you said that. before, sorry, Chris, what's interesting is what you said is like you, you think it could bounce, but you're not going to play the bounce on the, uh, on the way up. No. You're going to play the bounce on the way down. Yeah. Under certain conditions, I could be yeah. Yeah. a medium term bearish on a stock, but I can be short term bullish on, you know, the stock, play the upside into that resistance and then sell it on the way down. But I'm not getting any positive news catalysts out of it. I'm not getting any positive catalysts out of their holdings. If you look at most of the stocks that are strong, like when I go to the Benzinga app, what do you see? It's mostly reopening travel stocks. And while ARC has some exposure to that, that's not really their MO. That's not really what they're focused on. So I look at this as like, okay, if the bounce was, if the bounce was like this, like kind of like this five minute stretch here, this this stretch right here on the five minute chart, if it was like this off the lows and just kept running, I'd be okay with that. If it was on high volume, had a positive news catalyst, sure, I'd be interested in that. But I'm not seeing gangster volume. It's good. It's one and a half times the 10 day average, but it's nothing special and there's no catalyst out of it. So I think this is more just things have been beaten down for a couple of weeks. The market, that downside pressure is relieving itself and it's allowing some of these companies to float. There's a lot of weak companies that were way weaker than the S&P 500 that are rising on the day, but they're still way lower than the S&P 500. And so, yeah, I don't feel like playing this bounce. It's not my, if it had a good catalyst, I'd be interested, but I'm not seeing that. And I'm not seeing the option flows to support it. All right, fair enough. I don't necessarily disagree with Did you. Did I rain on your arc parade? No, 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 you didn't, you didn't because, um, Aaron and I just took a bet, although we didn't even discuss terms of our bet, Aaron. Uh, I bet on Berkshire the rest of the year. He bet on ARKK. So th this is actually, um, you know, on my side here. But uh, That's anyway. a tricky bet because ARK is way more volatile than Berkshire. It's like, you know, it would be like comparing Home D to Tesla. You know, they're just not the same type of stocks. Granted, you know, I mean, Berkshire does not have the volatility that ARK does. ARK has a lot of volatility. Like, ARK moved more in the last eight, nine, 10 months than Berkshire volatility wise than Berkshire has in like two, three years. You know, it's just they're there. I think if you make a bet, I would say make a bet between two stocks that have the potential to run the same speed. 
So if it's going to be a high volatility stock, pick two high volatility ones. If it's low volatility ones, pick two low volatility ones. Because then it's more of a fair bet. Otherwise, it it can just be all over the ping pong table. Yeah, but it's more fun to pick Kathy against Warren. So Um, (laughs) It's also essentially just picking growth or value over the next three weeks. Sure. Sure. That's a good point. All right. Okay. If you have a question from Chris, real fast, if you have a question for Chris, drop one in the chat. We're going to save some time for some Q&A with the chat uh, in a little bit. But I want to make sure Chris gets through whatever else he had planned. All right. Let me look at some of these here, actually. So Jay Race is saying disagree a bit. Just because everyone is buying puts doesn't mean anything actually could be – doesn't mean anything. Actually, it could be a contrary indicator. Sure, but you have to understand that order flows is what dominates the market. And so if the dominant order flow is to the short side and people are buying puts, then that's going to force the market more likely to the downside. It doesn't really matter what the reason is. It really doesn't matter. Whatever's the dominant flow is going to dominate direction. That's, that's really it. The only thing that could really interfere with that is hedging requirements from option dealers and market makers. It might get to a point where people are buying puts but we're getting to a, like a level on the downside where the dealers are like, you know what? We're fully hedged at this point. There's no point in us selling stock to cover our, you know, positions on this. We're going to start unloading our short stock to hedge or to adjust mm-hmm. our hedges accordingly. That might lift the stocks up. Sure, that scenario could work. But if the market is heavily buying puts, which it was over the last two weeks in the S&P 500, what materialized the market sold off so if you have another disagreement based on this yes it could be a contrary indicator but that's not a reason in and of itself to be long maybe you're just like arc and that's fine your buy story that's totally fine but come with a real reason based on flows on why it should bounce not just because you think it could be a contrary indicator uh james Santanel, chris what are your thoughts of any of these recovery moves with the fed hinting at hinting at taping faster and sooner than expected Yeah, well, we've seen what the potential of tapering faster has done in the markets. You know, we had OPEX and FOMC coming out at the same time saying, we're going to probably start tapering them faster. Markets did not like that at all. You know, that's, it's been, the the markets have been underpinned to some degree by the Fed. So them saying, hey, we're going to back off some of that support. Markets didn't like that at all. So it, it leaves me a little concerned. There's just a lot of mechanics right now in the market that are not healthy. Case in point, you know, car. There's no stock on the planet. If this is a healthy market, this doesn't happen. This does not happen in a healthy market. A stock doesn't go from $180 to $542 in two and a half hours. That's not healthy. It may be great for short-term trading, but it's not a sign of a healthy market. There's other things going on that tell me that the market isn't healthy right now. I've already mentioned a couple of them. You know, year-end selling for taxes, low breadth and liquidity. Another interesting statistic, pre-COVID, call volume out of the NYSE was about 15% on an average daily basis. Right now, call volumes have exploded to 70%. That's insane. That means that one asset class, options are really driving the moves in the markets. So now here's the question. What happens when the options market doesn't come in to support the market? What happens? What happens when the option buyers don't come in? What happens? We saw that the last two weeks. 
there wasn't call buying. And if there was, they were getting rolled over. And we saw the S&P 500 lose 4% in two weeks. Something this I've is- wondered, I've wondered this, Chris, though, like looking at car, for example, and, and the same could be applied, I guess, to GameStop and AMC for that matter, is like sure. they've held up, though. You know what I mean? Really? Look, five forty three down to two seventy two. It's down fifty percent. Uh, but been... what's the low? But what's the low before that? I mean, it was so we're at midpoint of the range or whatever. I mean, I, I it didn't go back. Lower to point. It's lower than the midpoint of the range. That when anytime I see a bull move and then we're below the midpoint, yeah, it's right, right. above so, wait, where it was, but it's not. It's not bolstered. Okay, wait, in was, this case, in this case, what is the midpoint? I'm just. Uh, I can measure real quick. Yeah. So, just do that real fast. so your midpoint would be about here, three sixty six, and look where it's. And if it really was bolstered, this was November third. We're over a month ago, and it's done nothing. Don't get me wrong; the range is decent. It's definitely bigger than it was before, but it's not the same as, you know, being up here. So if it really, the market's basically said, look, fair value right now, between two fifty and three hundred six. If it really felt fair value was higher, it would push it higher. And it hasn't. And there's been a lot of people that have wanted to be a long car and it just hasn't been able to get above three or six cents. So that to me is not healthy. AMD going, you know, AMD ripping. Let's go out on a weekly chart. I mean, this is not a small stock. This is a big stock, you know, AMD. Right. I'm not saying I don't, I'm, I'm not cool with these gains. I'm cool with this, but 64% in most of that was captured in one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, seven weeks. Not healthy. NVIDIA did something similar. Huge. These are huge rips. You know, this is, you know, this is options market drivers, basically. That's 71%. This is a $200 stock. And again, seven weeks. So, you know, I, I don't look at the market as healthy. That doesn't mean we don't trade the trends that we have or the directions that we have or the plays that we have. It just means that things are fragile right now. You know, we saw in the S&P 500, it lost pretty heavy, pretty fast in two weeks. And people were panicking. Like, what was, you know, what was what was the general theme? Markets are crashing. We've gotten to a point yes. where a 5% drawdown is considered a crash. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely that, right. That makes no sense to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. From a millennial perspective, from someone who came into the markets, you know, post-COVID, decided to move into the markets, yes, a 5% crash is like devastating. I, actually, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. Here's my kind of argument to you. You're, you're looking at the, S, the S&P, which is fine. But like some people are down 50, 60, 70% in these things like, like PaySafe and Zoom and Peloton and Arc and all these high flyers from a year ago. So it's not just like, oh, only 5%. No one who's crying is only down 5% right now. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at a lot of the posts and a lot of the reactions on Twitter and YouTube and things like that, I mean, S&P 500 dropping 5% and people are saying it's a crash and they're like worried and they're like having some of the biggest losses of the year. My concern always in the markets is leverage. You know, some of the biggest sell-offs in the market and the biggest losses for traders happen when they're the most levered. You never hear somebody being like, God, I got crushed on my trade and I was completely under levered. Never happens. It That's never true. happens. You know, there, there's a reason why 
the saying goes, we take the stairs up and the elevator escalator down. Mm-hmm. Part of that has to do with leverage. You know, we take that elevator down because of leverage. If there was no leverage at the highs, we wouldn't see the sell-offs that we do. There is sell- there's massive sell-offs at the highs when the market is heavily levered. And, you know, over the last year, we've had YouTubers and celebrities like Portnoy and all these others buy dips. Stocks always go up and things like that. Yeah. And then people start buying at 4702 and the market's at 4500 and they're sitting there going, wow, I'm, I'm getting crushed right now because they're levered up at that high. So I just look at it as I don't look at this as a healthy period right now. I think anybody taking long positions now should do so with caution. The mechanics and the dynamics of the markets are not healthy right now. So just be cautious. Pick ones that are super strong. I'm not saying this is the end of the world. I'm not saying it's like bad or good. I'm just saying this is a time to be cautious, not to be aggressive. All right. Chris Capri joins us every single, every single Monday at 1.30 to, uh, to do exactly what he just did. Give us his perspective. Give us uh, talk us through some trade ideas and give us his thoughts on the market. And uh, we like it. Uh, we like him. And Chris uh, can still be found writing for Benzinga. Uh, if not, go to secondskyestrading.com. Link should be in the description. And um, that's a wrap. So, Chris, have a good rest of your week, man. We'll talk to you again next Monday. You Thanks a lot. Be well, talk everyone. Soon, Chris. All right. Hey, it's about that time. We got to wrap it up here. Whoa, look at this view. It's strange. Whoa. Whoa, I'm seeing on both. Whoa, look at that. What the hell? What is going on here? With this um, view? All right, y'all. <laughs> this is so weird. It is time for us go. to wrap up today. We will be back tomorrow, but as Spencer mentioned, not on Wednesday and not on Thursday. So do us a favor. If you're not going to do it for Spencer, you're not going to do it for me. Do it for our guest, Chris Capri. Smash that like. And we've got Moon or Bus coming up next Great with Ryan McNamara, with Logan Ross. Not we have. I don't know if we've had a better day to talk about crypto on Moon or Bus. So. No. This stream will automatically redirect you to Moon or Bus. Stick around to learn more about what's going on in the crypto world. And with that, we'll leave y'all and see you tomorrow. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.